uh, thank you for doing this, by the way, Matt. Uh, yeah, no uh, problem. Yeah, Glad I, to. I really appreciate it. I listen, right. I listen in Utah. It kind of keeps me in touch with home, you know. Dude, your uh, your uh, drone footage is excellent, man. Thank I you. I thank love you. watching that. It's funny because I've been doing it without my license for like. <laughs> Wait, well, you, you have to have a drone license? Yeah, you have to have a license. So so, so the deal is <clears throat> you can fly as a hobbyist or whatever without a license. But if you want to do commercial work, so if I want to get paid for this, like if I want to make money working for film sets or sell footage to commercials or something like that, right? then I have to have a license from the FAA that kind of indicates that like I know what I'm doing. You're, so I'm you're not, not just not like, a drone terrorist. Yeah, hey, I'm gonna fly this right into an airplane. You know, <laughs> it's like you'd be surprised how easy it is, though. Like that's like sometimes I just like sit outside the airport and I think about it, and it's like, man, dude, you could you could fuck something up like that. Like, there's a, a friend of mine, Justin, who uh, he uh, I think now he just teaches for the military, but for a while for the Navy, he was an air traffic controller. He was talking about this is the most stressful thing you can oh, yeah. imagine. They used to have like one of the highest like suicide rates. I think like most any profession, especially like in I imagine in like the mid '90s in like the era of like, woo, like super everything's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. Prime when everyone was traveling for business, and I mean it's a lot more planes now, but like still, technology's increased more now. It used to be more so like there's a more of an analog aspect to it that I think required a controller to be like so plugged in at all times. Right, I can see that. I. uh I always find uh, people that, uh, you know, they'll do like the Back to the Future Part 2 comparison. At least they did in 2015, you know. And uh, they're like, like, man, we still don't have flying cars Blade yet. Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, man, if you all think for a second that after 9-11, they're going to give a thumbs up on cars in the sky. <laughs> Got another thing coming. It's like, dude, you know how people like run out of gas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you, you going to do with like your, yeah. well, your magnetic I know, I know my car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about it at work today. Uh, I know this has nothing to do with drones, but I mean, uh, whatever. But uh, <laughs> we were talking at work today about um, uh, the... Uh, with me, every time I board a plane, I I already commit to the idea of like, well, this is how I die. I know. Like, so that way, every time I safely land at the airport, I'm just like, oh, thank you, thank you, Lord, another day to live, another day to appreciate it. But uh, a coworker was like, well, if you are you if you look at like a you know road travel, you know the danger is much more clearly there as far as deaths, accidents. I'm like, like yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. It's like a couple things. It's like one, you can survive an, an accident yeah. in a car. It's a higher survival rate. Of right, right. Accidents. A plane, much smaller, much much smaller survival rate. Plus, I was like, now think about how much traffic is on the road. Now imagine if all that traffic is in the sky. Yeah. I don't think the comparison would hold up at all. Like, like can you just imagine you're just sitting, chilling at home, eating Thanksgiving dinner. And then a fucking Honda Accord just falls through your roof and yeah, like right. in the living room. Everybody's fine, you know. You're Normal. you're you're in another room, but out in the open it'd be fine. But like people be hitting trees and everything. Here. Oh yeah, be... yeah. Uh, people on planes, I love it. Like what? I mean, this, when you get in some bad turbulence and everyone's like panicking so much, and it's like. What are you gonna do? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just ride it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What, like, the, what the fuck are you gonna hands do? Hands up, dude. We're in it. Like, <laughs> it's like a roller coaster at that point. 
my my dad he told me that um, uh, whenever he came back from uh, the Gulf War, he was over there for a little more than six months, and um, he uh, he flew from like uh, you know Germany to uh, I want to say Charlotte, maybe it was New York, but. From Charlotte, uh, he flew into uh, West Virginia. It's you know where I grew up at, mm-hmm. and uh, so he gets off of this you know fairly large plane and gets on like this fifteen seater shitter commuter plane <laughs> you know, to fly into this small mountain town. And he said that they hit turbulence on the way back, and then uh, out of nowhere they just they just started free falling, like. For like 30 seconds and he, he was like he's like he's like he's like a oh, son of a bitch like i survived war and people and people and with ex- explosives yeah. and bullets and all this and now i'm gonna like the way down you came like it's be like you wouldn't even be phased by the fact that your plane sucks you'd just be like seething mad i'm like motherfucker this is the way i'm going yeah in this plane crash <laughs> It's exactly. the little or plane zone. Those are the fucking deadly ones, dude. Dude, like, they're, I'll, I'll they're fucking scary, like, man. I'll never fly in a Cessna. Or, like, a helicopter. I think helicopters are super dope, but, like... My only experience is uh, from uh, Grand Theft Auto with helicopters, <laughs> and they are... They're not that easy to fly. Yeah, they're hard to fly. It's like you have to... Uh, you have to get up high enough to where you can... What would that be? The Z-axis, so you can tilt like the helicopter forward and then it'll start yeah. you know gaining momentum and moving forward blows my mind yeah but that's like with the drone the faa certification i mean it's basically just like knowledge about like you can't fly your drone over 400 feet above ground level so that's wherever you're at so like for instance if i'm on a top of a skyscraper or a building that's like 600 feet high I can fly up to 400 feet above that because that counts as my ground level. Ah. Taking off. So if I'm flying around like structures or things like that, as long as my takeoff point's there. And I think it's like 300 meters around the outside of it. So you kind of have to know those things. You have to have like a certain visibility, like three statute miles. They kind of want you to be able to know some of the terminology. So like if you were flying in a populated area and you could navigate it, if you had like a radio or something. Now, are like the, are the rules different in like uh like in the outskirts and more rural uh areas because yeah, i see some of the footage you have and i'm just like like god damn dude it looks like a fucking nature show yeah because it depends like <clears throat> so you have different airspaces so like your major airports <coughs> are going to have a bigger airspace and your smaller regional ones don't go up as high in ceiling there's a large blanketing area that's like class e airspace and that's pretty much like fair game so and the only places you really have to watch out for Sometimes there's like restricted areas, but they'll be like military operation areas, which that makes but sense. But you can fly in, you just have to like watch out because sometimes they fly low and they're never like planned or scripted light flights to come in. So it's kind of like just be aware. I also have a feeling that if the, uh, if the military shot down your drone, they would not reimburse you. No. Well, they're talking about now, they're talking about making the NFAA law where all drones have to have an internet receiver on them and they have to be able to transmit a wireless signal so that they can track where they are at all time. And like everybody's pissed about it because it's gonna make like thousands of drones that people have already bought like mm-hmm. obsolete. My drone would be obsolete unless I bought like a separate transceiver or something for it. Right. And DJI already makes one because all of them have like a RFID like radio chip in them. 
so they can use this device they sell to police departments and stuff. They can still scan and know where they are. NFA is just trying to make it more complicated and throw this regulations and stuff on it. So well, what are, what it's are an your, iffy market. That's kind of a hard thing right now. What are, what are you, uh, your thoughts on that as far as I don't like add, adding advanced tracking, uh, tracking systems on it? Aside, I aside from I don't, it takes I don't feel money. like there are enough. So they cite threats like they worry about people flying them into things at airports and they worry about, you know, like terrorists using them for payloads and stuff like that. Right. It's like those things aren't as common. Those issues aren't happening. You don't have a ton of people flying their drones in the planes and stuff. Like, so I don't think it's as big of an issue. And there are other ways to track those. They, they can, you can put up signal jammers. So, like, on movie sets, mm-hmm. like Game of Thrones, they had, like, and Star Wars, especially Star Wars, and they were filming it because they did a lot on live set. They had these jamming towers set up so that, like, they would kill electronics that come in. Like, hundreds of people lost drones uh-huh. because it would just, like, kill the signal and the drone would fall and die. And they couldn't find it, couldn't get it because it was, like... So it's like an EMP-like yeah. tower? Or it's something? like a blocking... This is like a signal jammer, so it'll cut off signal so it won't communicate to the remote. Okay. Yeah. And then eventually they'll just so it won't communicate to the remote, and then the drone just gets in this zone. It doesn't know what to do. Some of them have return technology, but if they're jammed and don't know where the remote is, they may not go back to it. But like otherwise, it just sit there and hover and then die and fall. So like there are things they can do, like around airports and stuff. They could definitely emit like signal blocking right. towers. But then you run into like all the signals that they block. So you may be blocking cell phones, maybe blocking like Wi-Fi for other apps mm-hmm. and like things that use them yeah the uh, whatever specific bandwidth they're using and i was yeah. talking uh with this someone recently that um <clears throat> whenever america made the switch to um was a high def on like a, a television so mm-hmm. uh there's this bandwidth of uh i guess a satellite transmission that was no longer needed because it, it could it couldn't it didn't have the capability of transmitting the data anyway, yeah. right? So they shut it down. And whenever they shut it down, parts of the sky became more visible than they were before. And I was explaining to them, it's well, it's because the amplitude of the frequency from those uh, satellite dishes or whatever transmitters that were putting the signal out, um, the amplitude in relation to our location was much greater than what... Uh, the stars or you know hole in the firmament whatever you you want to believe in that uh, would be visible to us it's the same thing with like like audio and you're mixing it if like you're starting to have like stuff in the like your low end like it's not getting enough punch through well you don't start bringing up everything in the low end you you got to start cutting some of those frequencies so then once you cut like the lower frequencies of like an one instrument that you don't want having low end, now those other instruments fill that gap. Yeah. It's, it's the same way with, uh, 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 what would you call it? Uh, uh, telecommunications, modern telecommunications, I guess. Yeah. What, what do you think about the, uh, the 5G stuff? Man, I, don't, I don't know, because I know some people that are like full-on believers that it's the government testing some weapon on us that's going to give us all cancer and like do mind control and like all this crazy stuff like um somebody was saying something about like wuhan being near um 
towers and there was like signs of radiation sickness at first it's like people were getting kind of like weirded out by 5g but like also i don't know i feel like we don't study it enough where it's like, oh there's this technology but it's like you know those signals are going through somewhere and even like right i mean all x-rays are are light waves or radio signals and if huge broad spectrum you know even the radio signals we listen to and interpret are like they're all on the same different frequencies and wavelengths so you can see that and like x-rays like they go through people don't realize that that but it's like going like straight through and it's bouncing back off the plate they put behind it right and it's like people don't realize how they actually do work because it's a refraction refraction of that so there's definitely some signal coming 4g i don't know if it's worse than 4g but i've also heard that like you can transfer like power and stuff through a 5G wireless signal. So I don't know. I don't know enough about it to have like an informed opinion. That's that's kind of that's, where I'm at with it as well. And I, I've also heard the stuff about Wuhan. A lot. You've been hearing a lot of crazy stuff that's been going on with China. Coronavirus. You know, I mean, the the president had been talking about for a while, but he's so hyperbolic that you kind of have to take everything he says with a yeah. healthy amount of salt. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, when uh, when South Park talked about it, South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone were were the only two heavyweights in in media that put out a big bold middle finger to China yeah. and at the same time informed Americans like, hey, we know we're d uh, doing satire and parody here, but this country is doing really foul stuff. Yeah. And it's not the people that live in the country, it's the, it's government, the government of that country. Well, it's like even Joe Rogan was talking about it and he's just like, dude, Matt Parker and Trey Stone, like, they're two guys with enough wealth, they don't give a shit. No. Nah. Like, they don't need money at this point, like, they don't care. Nah. They can just be like, Finger to you, they don't even need you. South Park at this point. Yeah. They like they continue making South Park because it's um, South Park and the ideals that it represents are bigger than themselves, you know. And I think that it's a um, it's also a uh, you could take that philosoph uh, philosophical outlook on it and you could uh, apply it in another manner to say that the art and the artists are independent of each other yet they are also somewhat dependent on each other you know what i mean uh like creatives we need an outlet to make something our own well, it's uh, like there's always been like forms like of like uh parody and satire making fun of like social economic problems go like back to like the old newspaper errors like the early 1800s and they'd sketch out you know like the big bourgeoisie guy you have little, little illustrations that yeah. you have that so it's like I think that's always been a good way of like communicating it's a some, some of their things are a lot more like blunt and in your face like and some things are a lot more subtle um, like my friend's dad he like he uh he watched the TSA episode for the first time. <laughs> the Toilet Association. Yeah. Check your and, asshole, yeah, sir. And, he, and, he, and he's never like been a fan of South Park. And he's like, I don't know, in his 70s. He's older. And he called my friend. He's like, dude, I just watched that episode of South Park. And he's like, man, those guys are on it. And then, so he just started like watching them all. And now he gets all the references and stuff. And it's funny. Because people are always, I'm talking to them. And I'll throw out some South Park quote. And like nobody ever gets it. Because yeah. they haven't seen as much. It's like, man, there's some relevant South Park quote everywhere. Almost as much so as, like, The Simpsons, you know. Like yeah. You can find something that compares. Well, 
the <clears throat> I think one thing that really sets South Park apart is the canon of the story and the characters themselves. Yeah. So from the pilot episode, everything within the universe that essentially Matt Stone and Trey Parker and South Park Studios have created is all relevant to the story. So like even the the movie, the musical is a part of the show's canon. Yeah. The two uh, RPG video games are also part of the show's canon. Yeah. And, and with The Simpsons, you have that, I think, up to the first 10 years, and then it's just like, well, The Simpsons are, it, every week is something different. Yeah. yeah. Um, and with, with South Park, it's it's not like that. So like when, um, for example, it's kind of got Game of Thrones quality to it. Even, you know, so far they made uh, parodies off of, you know, Game of Thrones and Lord <laughs> of the Rings and fantasy uh, culture. But um, when a character dies in South Park, they're dead unless they are Kenny or Jesus. Yeah. They're the only characters because Jesus has the power of resurrection. Yeah. He's, he's a superhero. And Kenny's just... Kenny's cursed. Yeah. Uh, from uh, the, his parents went to a Cthulhu cult and somehow made a deal at that like Kenny can never die and they never went too far into it I, I think personally what could be is that they lost other children or something happened and they wanted to have a, a deal where like they want a son that would never die yeah. that they wouldn't have to go through that again and the evil power granted them this wish but in order to satisfy it would make the child prone to death but come back to life the next day and nobody but the parents and kenny remember it yeah yeah um but uh i wonder i wonder if that came to them like after so long they're like how do we explain this now you know or like from the start they had that in mind because they kill him off from like the start like every episode he dies yeah until um in the uh in the uh, fifth season they have a uh <laughs> they did a parody of uh, you remember like a '90s and '80s uh, sitcoms where it'd be like on a very special Full House, mm -hmm. and it'd be like like you know like DJ finds a gun in Uncle Jesse's sock drawer. <laughs> DJ, put it down. And it's like it goes to black and white and like very tense orchestral music. <laughs> Tune in on a special one-hour season premiere Tuesday at nine. I miss those. Must be. I miss those days. <laughs> the 90 nostalgia days. <laughs> I feel like, but I mean, it goes back to South Park with the member berries thing. And it, yeah. It was such a huge, like, nail on the head with, like, how our culture is, which is, like, we're stuck in the days and we were kids and everything was good and everything was fine. We didn't have to worry about all these problems. We weren't all in debt and dealing with the bullshit and we weren't as aware of these things. It was just like, you want to go get some Mattel hotspot? Like, match toys I'm like yeah whatever give me all these toys and like we're like nerf super blasters <laughs> like you know everything was good like mtv still played music videos like we look back on that and now life's just fucking drama yeah. and bickering and infighting and well if you look at like a lot of the uh well before before unpack that no. um the uh until the fifth season of south park they have a very special south park and kenny dies and like like it's not a happy episode at all. Like it, the whole episode is like, like Stan is he's scared because it makes him think about his own mortality, so he doesn't want to go see Kenny die in the hospital, and he finally yeah. gets the balls to do it, and then Kenny's dead. Um, he he didn't get to see him, and then the only release is at the very end, 
Cartman, who had been working for stem cell research to get legalized so he could find a way to help Kenny, has fulfilled his ulterior motive of cloning a Shakey's Pizza next door to a Shakey's Pizza. So he, he uses the guise of his friend dying and then being like so upset and getting something legalized where everyone's like, yes, that's the moral thing to do, and then doing something malicious with it. And then, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't give a shit that Kenny's dead. But, um, uh, fuck, uh, what was the thing I said, let's unpack? Hang the on. member berries in 90s nostalgia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... Because like, they all get drunk on town on, like, the member berry wine, dude. They're just like, oh, yeah, you I remember, you know, like... 90s nostalgia, right? So, um, you know, we were, we, were, we, were, we were born into it. You get older, and you're able to look historically at, like, you know, things that happened before we existed, right? Yeah. Um, and you see this thing, um, uh, Operation... Mockingbird. Um, it was a it was a program the CIA had that um, they had people on their payroll in news and in television that were there to more or less influence opinions. Right? Um, MTV uh, came out before you or I were born, but it. Um, was used to now take, um, you know, uh, music, which they had used to influence culture before, the hippie movement, you know, it was not an organic uprising, like, you know, CIA and intelligence was, you know, in there, you know, pushing uh, certain ideas forward. But um, uh, Pro uh, Project uh, Mockingbird, or Operation Mockingbird, um, on the long run, you, you can see it now it's reached its its apex, right? Or at least its its first crest in the the fake news era. So you see a lot of people that have uh, woken up to not necessarily saying like news is fake, which I mean I kind of think it is, but um, not to, not to paint everybody with my opinion or anything, but um, that there's programming with it, right? So if if you look back to at 90s <clears throat> culture when you 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 had a lot you, you look at th something like the the rise of alternative rock and alternative hip-hop that came up through the 90s and then you start seeing uh, edm like rising up through the 90s you you start seeing cgi start rising up through the 90s in film with jurassic park taking the first step and then the matrix in 99 yeah. closing out the 90s with Hey, we can also take in a step other than just you know a quote unquote fantasy. You know, the Matrix starts tying in like philosophy yeah. as well. And I mean, the red pill movement, though conservative America, they they're like, hell yeah, red pills. Like, it's, it's not just you. It was a color before. <laughs> it was a color of a political party, uh, sir. But uh, you know, this term red pill comes from where you know red. The truth is harsh. You know, it's. Like uh, waking up, like when people say like 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 oh stay woke nowadays, they're, they're most of them they're still referring to programming that's put out to them by media. So I, I think you see in the '90s where we grew up, it hadn't reached the goal yet as far as for them to get to where they wanted to. And I think uh, something like uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, uh, 
now being declared, you know, uh, committing suicide, really woke a lot of people up. And yeah. it was the straw that broke the camel's back on Operation Mockingbird. And you see in the 90s, while this is going on, you also start seeing the glamorization of uh, violence with uh, the G-Funk and gangster rap movement, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, hardcore uh, music had started to infiltrate into uh, a lot more of a, a hate group ideology. When, when did Iowa come out? It was like early 2000s, right? I think Iowa came out in 2000. Yeah, 2000. So, Slipknot, so it's like right album. on the cartels of that one. Yeah, but uh, Slipknot, self-titled album, that came out like in 99 98 or 99 yeah, I think you know yeah. you know what i mean so like you 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 see these things in it where and don't get me wrong like i like all those genres of music but it was like, like i love any, slipknot but there wasn't anything like that and like when slipknot came out like no matter who you are that shit sounded violent yeah that's why we loved it like, especially when you're a pubescent kid man. shit and fucking wait and bleed and it was just like mm, you know but you know but then all the shit like combine and all that and it's like easy for there's all these little correlations and yeah comedian. it's all crazy yeah what's what is fucked up is that i think that i think the people and they're mostly from the from the right that say uh, they'll use the argument for uh video game violence and music violence and movie violence and everyone's just like you know get fucked for the most yeah. part which on the basis of the first amendment which i am very pro first amendment i totally agree with them get fucked like if if you don't like it don't watch it if you're that concerned with it don't let your children like glamorize it or rebel against it and fetishize it whenever they are pubescent you know what i mean talk to your children but at the same time i also agree with them in a way that it does influence like people to do stuff now i'm not saying that that is the uh, or should be a scapegoat or something like Columbine where they try to use like Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails and Doom and uh, firearms yeah. to try to to try to blame what those two but it, like, bastards that comes down did. To the parents at that point, like you should be aware of your kids and you should know, like if you're that disconnected with your kids and you can't see like trouble signs and warning signs, it's like I think at a certain point. That's the responsibility of the parents, not the video games, not the TV, not the violence. Like, they, in essence, have to be some form of a censor and some way to, like, explain to the children that are intaking this, like, hey, like, this is fantasy, this is not real. Like, you have to differentiate that, because I think some people don't get that message, and I've met people like that, and it's, like, crazy. It's like, how did you not put these two together? Like, right. this fantasy world, you know, because, I mean, some people think they're, like, real life, no shit, like, Duke Nukem. You know, like tons of guns and I love guns and stuff, but some people I'm like, bro, yeah, there's a limit. Well, you know? I, I had uh, I'd listened to uh, someone, uh, I think it was uh, this, uh, this guy named Bishop, he was on the tinfoil hat, uh, Sam Tripoli, I can't remember though, but he was talking about how um, a lot of uh, uh, I guess you would uh, the modern equivalent of gangster rappers, though you know it's it's not technically rap music anymore, but I mean it's still a hip hop influence. Yeah. But um, that promote like this uh, idea of like yeah, the fuck the police notion, right? Which just to clarify, fuck authoritarianism. I, I you know, yeah. but like fuck the police is a it's a very important song in 
uh, uh, American arts, you know, yeah. like without a doubt. But at the same time, so you see now like where like gang culture has become so normalized, right? That where like this idea of like, like, hey, like doing violence and stealing from your neighborhood is a good thing or, you know, uh, not raising your children with you know and both parents involved and like looking like like you know to break up the family like these yeah. these ideas are like promoted in the music right and like you know we're in our 30s so we're able to look at things sort of objectively a hell of a lot better than we were 10 years ago you know oh, what i mean sure. yeah. let, let alone five years ago you know but um i i think that um the it's complicated, right? So, like the uh, the argument of, like, well, if they are causing this damage, which I think it is damaging, like, on the long run, but I don't think government needs to get fucking involved with it, like, yeah. to you know start putting a limit on stuff. But what is fucked up, I think, man, I think about like the video game argument aspect of it, like, which because that employ the the music doesn't engross you like a video game does yeah. you know so I think about where VR is going and uh, like oh I've talked to people that played VR games like uh, there's one and it's like cartoonish and fun but it's still it's like you're in a coliseum and you're like hacking and slashing up all these big gronky like gladiators are coming at you and some guy was talking in an interview about how he played it for like you know he spent like six hours playing it and like it was fun, it was enjoyable, but it gave him a very like disassociated feeling with like killing people. Like he didn't feel like as like he he said it like triggered something in him that he was like, Okay, man, this is weird. Like I'm feeling way too comfortable in this killing motion. Right. But I think that's like that's animal instinct. Like we wanna be past that, but even like the most civilized person probably wants to fucking bash their head someone's head in with a vase someday. Just, I mean, you know. it's, it's in all of yeah, us, it's, you know. Yeah. Um, but so, I, I, I could see that, because I imagine, I think it's serotonin that, like, when it's, like, abnormally high, like, you know, like, you just had 400 orgasms at the same time, you know, like, you, uh, you want to do harm to others. Like, and, and it's weird to, for me to even, like, wrap my head around that that like this, this uh, I guess chemical that's like in us, that's released from like, you know, uh, having an orgasm or uh, like a was it, dark, dark chocolate will also release some like serotonin in your brain. But that if it's too much of it, like that you, you can get dissociated and then yeah. like, you know, you don't, you don't care about anything. That's ar arguably uh, some of the mass shooters that were on like uh, certain types of drugs or SSRIs, like that they just took so I, much I to where they didn't care. I think a lot of it comes to the point where they feel so disassociated with things that that's like, oh my, maybe if I shoot a bunch of people, I'll feel something. Yeah, you know. And I think uh, sometimes a lot of case that's that's it. I don't think it's like, you know, like what happened I guess recently in was it Michigan at the Coors plant? Like that yeah. dude was just mad he got problems. fired he got fired came back snapped but it's like that's a big commentary on the state of things in like our country because like I mean I've experienced it just being out in like Utah with some of the hardships and stuff I've gone through but it's like I mean you're most people are like 
two or three missed checks away from like not having a place to live and losing everything they have. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I can get that because that guy's probably in that boat and he's like, well, I'm going to be homeless or whatever. So like, could have been, you know, it's like society has us all put into such a corner and kind of like with that 90s nostalgia because things aren't as good. But we got so used to like, so when we grew up, you know, like back in the day, people had to like, they kind of had to wait for things. You had to wait for stuff to come in the mail. You got like a Sears catalog in the mail and you'd call and you'd place an order. Right. Or, you know. And Columbia like, House Records. Yeah. And there wasn't, you know, like you had to wait for the Scholastic Books Fair to come to school. And you know, there are all these things that like they took time. They took patience. But as things changed and emerged, it's like, you know, we had fast food restaurants and stuff, but they weren't to the point they are now. So you went, you get a burger, you get a taco, whatever. Yeah. Now you go to Taco Bell, and it's like, do you want the fucking taco, the burrito, the double Guadalajara chipuco crunch, like whatever? <laughs> you know, you have like so many options, and everything's available. And if you don't want any from the shit from Taco Bell, it's like you can go across the street from Wendy's and get a hamburger, or oh fuck it, you want a baked potato, or you know, you just want all this shit. So we're like, we're so used to like. I asked why I got like fast food culture because like it's instant gratification it's endless options and you don't have to wait or work for any of it because it's like right. someone else does it and it's like oh here you go cool it's instant and I think that it's permeated into our culture with our way of thinking that's why nobody looks at anything objectively and takes the time to like critically analyze it and think of things um, it affects our relationships because nobody's fucking happy with what they have it's like I don't want to fucking you know, a double bacon cheeseburger is delicious and you can love it every day. But, you know, some days you want to fucking... The problem with the burger is it never kisses me back. Yeah, I know. But sometimes you want the cheesy fucking bacon burrito. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, what do you do if you've committed to your fucking hamburger? You're going to cheat on it with the fucking burrito. And then your fucking hamburger is going to be sad, but you're going to fuck it up. You're going to be like, man, I wish I still had my hamburger. But it's like nobody works for these things because... They should have like a Tinder for fast food. Oh, man. You know, like fast food delivery. What are you matching with today? You know, oh, like, I just match with mashed potatoes. <laughs> it's like you always match with mashed potatoes. And it's like if you're still hungry, like you match with people. Oh, here's Susan. She wants Taco Bell now, too. Oh. <laughs> be kind of creepy, I think. But I, I don't know. I think that's one of the most frustrating things because not many people are like aware of it. Well, sometimes I feel like I'm standing on a mountain, like screaming, especially oh. dating these days. It's oh, just dude, like, I was just about to say, to fast fast food culture has definitely permeated into well, that's what uh, dating. I mean, yeah, I'm, dating I'm apps, work, man. I'm a slut, but like, I mean, <laughs> still on Tinder, I still use it. Like, I'm a victim of society. I mean, but I only gotta, because like I have to, or I'm just like lost in it. Right. You know, like you're just, you're if you're not in, I hate Facebook. I hate social media. But like if you're not engaged in it and plugged in, nobody knows shit about you. Nobody knows who you are, and you're you don't have those networks to meet those people. It's like yeah, like I don't go to the bars and pick up chicks. I fucking hate bars. Yeah, like, I'm not a fan at all. Yeah. Like I'm a but, I want to pick up chicks from the comfort of my living room. Like, so I'm like I don't want to leave the fucking house. Like I don't have to put on pants to be on Bumble. I, I know. <laughs> I got a I got blacklisted from Tinder. Uh, somebody reported my uh, my Tinder fail that I, my Tinder fail blog I had on Instagram, <laughs> and uh, they they banned me from my device, my phone number, and my Facebook account. Oh, so you're if like I were banned, yeah. So 
they said I violated their guidelines, uh, which I mean they may be right, you know. And it. Isn't but, there another tender fails on like? Well, I mean, I I just yeah I just use I use Bumble, um, yeah. but it does like dating in your in your thirties is. Like, point. like, yeah, by this point, like, you know what kind of man you are, and you know, like, what you want, and what you don't like, and what you like, and all this stuff. And I, I personally, I like it when I can, uh, I can, uh, I match wits with a woman rhetorically. Like, I dig that. Like, I like communicating. I mean, obviously, I got a fucking podcast, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I, like, I like that, you know, and I like talking about ideas. And I like it in the written form as well. And if, you know, if, it doesn't matter how cute a girl is, if she's boring and got no brains, my my dick is just not interested. It, it's yeah. it's riding shotgun nowadays, and the balls where the thinking goes on, <laughs> they're they're in the uh, they're in the driver's seat. That's how you, that's how you can tell you really like as as like a dude. I don't know how it is for ladies, but I'm sure it's the same way with gay dudes. Like. Like when you see your partner that you like, you're just like you got the hots for it. You feel it in your balls, man. Like, yeah. you, like it's you, like deeper than the dick. Yeah, yeah. The the dick is just the liaison. <laughs> He's just happy because he knows he it's, is needed. Like the dick's in on. I mean, he's got backup. He's yeah, like, yeah. hey, yes, but yes. You gotta no. tell the dick. I have to tell my dick like, hey, calm down. You're not impressive anyway. You know. Like you, you're. It's like dick by default. <laughs> Dating's been hard though, cause like after my horror deal, the bullshit I went through moving out there, some girl I wanted to marry. That's just like I don't love you anymore. After like sacrifice, not sacrifice, yeah. but I put a lot on the line, and then like it just made. You me, did sacrifice like, a lot though, because yeah. you sacrificed what any aspirations you would have had here without her. You sacrifice that to try something new yeah. and take a risk, but yeah. but it's made me like it made you who you are, man. Yeah, I know that's true. It's like I'm glad for the adversity because I know people that have like never would have taken that jump or taken that leap. They still haven't left this place and they're right. like stuck in those same old ways and like haven't had to struggle because it's been fucking hard, dude. Hasn't been easy because I didn't know anybody in Salt Lake, so I had to make every connection, every like everything that I've gotten to is like. You know, I've met people and networked for, but it was like I had nothing, like zero. So like, like I'm more attached to it because it's like, hey, I did this when someone was like left me high and dry. Like I can make it, and I feel more like poised to go anywhere else in the future from it because it's like, all right, I've done it once, I can do it again. I don't really want to, you know, because now I'm starting to get established out there. Right. But it's still like a gradual process. Like I was talking to some of my professors the other day because I stopped by on campus and there's like three years is no time to get like set up in a new city. So especially with like no contact. So sometimes I like, I beat myself up over it. So I'm like, man, this fucking sucks. It's been a struggle. But like in some ways I've gotten amazing networks. I got like awesome friends and like the community I have out there is good. And I feel like it kind of like speaks to me because, like, if I was a piece of shit and I was some scumbag or whatever, like, I wouldn't have this great network of people out there. So it's, like, I'm kind of, like, grateful for that. And it was, a like, a because I had, like, no self-esteem, no confidence. Like, I was, it was fucking horrible when I went through all that. Like, I just felt like shit as a person. Like, I wasn't good enough. And then, like, to rebuild that and people, like, 
want my skills and they want my talents and they like consult me when they're working on projects because they think that I'm like definitely the person to be involved just like all right cool I do still got it like I am still a person and like it was like um it was almost like reestablishing an identity that I didn't always really have because I kind of had an identity here in, in a sense but it's like it was always easy I always had like a fallback it was always comfortable it was home right there when it's like basically like do or die it's like oh, you're gonna be homeless or you're gonna have to move back home yeah. if it doesn't work out and you don't make it so I think through that it kind of forced me to learn like my strengths my weaknesses like some of my personality faults that like may have contributed to like problems with my relationship like moving forward and meeting new people um you know when I had to just work to pay the bills like I had to work in jobs and fields that I'd never even considered I would do like I was I've been like a sales rep uh, it was like a consultant for a graphic design firm I worked in a crating and heavy haul like company that did like this massive transportation of like awkward things so I was like <laughs> I was a carpenter in a workshop for like a year you know and it's like I would never thought that I'd be doing that but now I feel pretty fucking solid to build almost anything that's gonna like last like I it's the skill set that I developed and it's like because you just had to like jump in and right. do it had just five had to make it happen and like I'm grateful for all that now because it's kind of collectively formed this it's like I'm a big zit I'm about to pop you know <laughs> but I'm just <laughs> it's about to pop man it's about to go off I've been building up all this bullshit and then it's gonna expel and I'm gonna be like alright I'm some fucking normal healthy poor now right <laughs> well I mean it does go back to like talk about like fast food culture and all that because like the um it's that delayed gratification yeah. right and you realize that a long term investment easy off the bat yeah. I thought I was gonna go out there I was gonna be with my girl she's gonna just oh, surprise I'm completely clean and sober and life's happy and I'm gonna love you and we're gonna have a family like and life's like no 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 yeah. you know like no tacos here <laughs> get me fucking hamburger today <clears throat> you know but I was expecting that instant and then when it yeah. didn't hit I think it sh- fucked me up for a while like sometimes I think I still am a little fucked up like I'm bitter but on the whole I'm not in a depressive state cause like for a while man I was like borderline suicidal like I was like was not good money right. was fucked my life was fucked my attitude was fucked because i didn't see any way out because i didn't have that you know it's like hey i'm working i'm doing everything for it where's my where's my good where's my reward yeah but now it's coming because like now i have character you know i'm like a person this guy experiences that helped me in like my everyday life it's like now i have insight and i'm not like with my blinders on yeah. all the time I think you have to have a you have to have that mentality of like everything can get real shitty real quick oh yeah you, know, you have to be prepared for that it's not always cushy yeah well it um it's only once you, you you hit a bottom can you can you really like transcend and like propel yourself back up and it sounds cliche because you know? people always be like oh you only way to go from rock bottom is up and you know yeah and then like I never I never thought of it that way I'm like you know that's just some dumbass bullshit old men say but like those old men yeah, are wise are, for a reason th- yeah things are cliche yeah. because there's some truth in it you yeah. know that's 
what what's what's the old cliche about uh, cliches being you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's um it's like most old men that I know that are like wise old you know not nothing against like old wise women because there's definitely some the those like a wise ass grandmother. But you know what? All the older people with like real wisdom that is pertinent to us mm-hmm. and we're like, damn, that person was wise. It's because they went through some shit. Like our grandparents and all the people before us, it's like life is hard. Life's a struggle. People are shitty. People have always been shitty, but they've been through it and they know. Yeah, eventually you find someone. Hopefully, for everybody, but you never know. Well, and even if you don't, you gotta be. You gotta like who you are. You yeah. know. And we, and it's well, hard for helps. creatives because like I'm, you know, I'm my favorite and least favorite person. Yeah. Like, so like I love myself and yet I hate myself for yeah. every shitty thing I've ever done, every mistake I've made, every time I was. Uh, made a fool you know like and i think going back to you know talking about you know feeling low and you know even like wanting self-harm done and things like that there's a there's a problem with a lot of us creatives and that we get stuck in day to day right and because we're surrounded by everything with instant gratification and whenever you're investing in delayed gratification oh man that's like seeing everybody outside like playing and having a good time and you know you're uh, helping build something in the yeah. backyard that will give you a good time like a, yeah. a play set or something you know or you know so i mean that's that's one thing i love about like uh, uh recording music and making music myself and like you're one of the few people i know as well that like your create your creativity flourishes more solo than it does with you know other musicians yeah and because it's it's all about that delayed gratification you're not gonna like instantly record something in one day and then be like oh perfect it's done you know my library is so full of like projects that like probably won't even see the light of day it sucks because i have some stuff that's like i feel like it's pretty good but i haven't put it out because it's not quite where i want it or i feel like it's not gonna hit that level but then like maybe i'm like maybe you should just throw it out and then receive and see like what people like and what people are wanting and cause oh, you never know because like some of the stuff I've shown like my buddy Tim's like my biggest sounding board he listens to like all my music and he's like he gives me a good feedback on it and stuff but so some stuff he's listened to he's like dude why isn't this out why didn't you put this out I'm like because it sucks because <laughs> <laughs> it's garbage and <laughs> you know and like I have one song it's an older one I did and I probably and now it just seems dated like it all sounds older like the recording process wasn't as good yeah. I didn't know what I was doing and I like I'm like no I won't put it out but then I think of doing like a just a compilation and like here's some old shit you know like yeah. an old shit album but well the music's weird now it, I mean, it is, the but I mean, the uh, as far as like putting it out there, you should put it out there, man. Like this, I've had people that like one album I did, I got a lot of love for, and then yeah. another album I did, I got a lot of flack for. <laughs> and at the same time, it's like, well, well, yeah, of course, because yeah. like I, I'm not, I don't want to make the same thing again. Yeah. Like, like I, I want to, I want to make stuff that not only challenges me, but going to challenge the listener as well you know but um with with me usually i give myself a, like five years i say like all right every five years i gotta put something out and it gives me yeah. enough time to write it gives me enough time to save up funds to have because if i'm gonna put it out 
I want it to sound professional and nice. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm good with doing most of my pre-production myself. I'm I'm cool with that, but comes to finalizing it oh no no yeah. no lee dias yeah, earth sound recording it's the bees knees it always sounds so good and that's where i'm at i probably need to find someone to do mine and i've actually made some networks like out there with like actual musicians so um you familiar with ben candlebox yeah 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 uh so i know a guy named memphis hennessy and he's just got back from touring with them and like he was overseas i want to say he's like in europe or something but like he comes over to my landlord's studio and like records dumbass videos and stuff. So it's like bullshitting and hanging out with these people. They're like established musicians. And there's another band called a Royal Bliss. Uh, they're like a rock band. They just toured with like Seether and Stained and all that. So like they're playing with like these big name musicians. They own a bar in Salt Lake, and they record. So it's kind of been nice. Like thinking I had nothing out there and I moved for nothing because that was my mentality for a while. Yeah. And then it's like oh now I'm actually meeting like these are like personally hanging out and chilling with these like professional music artists yeah. and, and then they're like you, know, you never know who you're gonna meet yeah and you never know the people you meet who they're gonna become yeah and it's weird when you're talking to this dude that's like we're important rock star and he's like yeah dude you're cool shit like come over i want to work on some of your music with you because we're talking about singing and stuff because he knows i like to sing and it was just like there's um how's that happen you know when i lived in uh when i lived in in jersey and I did pretty much something similar to you did. Just move someplace or like, hey, I, I'll, I'll know like th- three people while yeah. I'm there. But like, you know, let's just see what happens. But um, I became uh, uh, friends with uh, uh, some tattoo artists and uh, some uh, metalheads that were up there just in the Philadelphia uh, metal scene. And like, uh, awesome, like, like, group of folks and whatnot and you know uh, they did uh, some of them did psychedelic uh, like metal like mm-hmm. uh, uh, my friend's band uh, uh, Sagacacia they uh, did an album called False Prism it's a, it's a two-piece psychedelic metal band there's only four songs on the album <laughs> it's fantastic it's absolutely fantastic uh, Ominous Black was another uh, one Dutch Guts um, <laughs> but um, there's a there's a, a friend of mine, and to, to be uh, respectful, I, I won't give too many details, but um, she uh, she's a cur- currently to our kick-ass person. I've, I've got a, a tattoo from her uh, on, on my leg. It means a whole lot to me. Um, but uh, in, uh, she married uh, a particular rock star in like the past like three or four years. And within that three or four years, this particular rock star won a Grammy. And this is just a friend of mine that, like, this is, like, her husband. I'm not even really a a fan of her husband's work. Like, she always was, which which is, like, wild that, like, you know, like, this band that a friend of mine was like, like, oh, you don't really dig it? I'm like, well, I mean, it's it's good. It's just just not my cup of tea. But, um, you know... uh, I'll, uh, there's other uh, musicians I've met before that I, I see how I see how they operate as a band. I see how yeah. slimy they are and how like they just want they're so opportunistic to have anybody that has like an in that then they just yeah. want to kind of slide their arm around and be like, hey buddy, how yeah. you been? And what's what's funny is that a lot of these same people they detest me, and yet just a buddy of mine is like. 
married to like mm -hmm. arguably one one of the biggest rock stars yeah. on the planet right now and <laughs> i like i I, I don't I don't I don't care like like I said I don't even want to give give their name because yeah. I don't want to seem like it's it's bragging or anything you know and I would never ask them for like anything like and and quote unquote in yeah. or like a favor or anything like yeah, that exactly I you know want to I, mean? I felt like because that's what it shot me I think when I was meeting this dude because like, I didn't ask to hang out and make music like he was just talking to me about it he's like yeah dude I like your stuff because we were working on a comedy video or something and mm -hmm. I was just fucking ringing off funny ideas because luckily I'm funny enough and like he was just like I like working with you and then he's just like from that he's like wants to come make music so it's kind of cool because I'm like yeah I kind of earned that I guess <laughs> <laughs> but like the the other band uh, Royal Bliss um, they're all friends too his brother is in Royal Bliss is the bassist and but like so the first thing I really found out about Royal Bliss out there was I did this event called the Ride the Brainwave. I posted a video for it like last year. And basically it's this big like car show slash motorcycle rally slash rock concert that they do and it's a fundraiser for like little kids with brain cancer and traumatic brain injuries and stuff. So they're like auctioning off guitars signed by the band for like seven eight thousand dollars a piece Ooh. i mean they're they i think they raised like a good chunk of money that's awesome so and i went and i filmed the whole thing for free for the lady that organizes it just so they had something to show off this year to ramp it up and make it bigger and right. we're gonna film it again this year but like i mean just watching the band royal bliss like they were so cool like they're bringing up kids on stage that had like down syndrome and just little kids just like rocking out on this full stage of this band like you just little kid loved it like you could tell how happy he was yes yeah. it's, it's good to be around like uh artists and musicians that are like using their flame and platform to like do stuff for a good cause you yeah. know and not just be like oh, cool look, we're musicians we're hip yeah <laughs> you know <clears throat> like these guys are cool I think I totally time. get that because I've never been a hip musician you know what I mean I've, I've yeah. always kind of been like uh a, a bit of an island anyway and then you know getting into my uh my 30s you know i become even more alienated yeah. in a way because then like well i don't even want to put forth the effort into like trying to be anything i'm not or like feign interest in like somebody else's music like yeah. like i like the music you do matt like like i i genuinely do it tickles my ears. It's not boring. You're talented. It's you, different. You, like I can't put it in a genre, so I don't know what to do. Yeah. What, what kind of music do you make? Well, and, and plus, it's a one-man band. You know, like I'm a one-man band. Like, and the hard thing is performing as a one-man band. Oh yeah, like it's, you're not gonna. I don't even like doing it really yeah. anymore. Um, because it's never going to be like how it is on the record. It's just me with essentially my dick in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> sitting, sitting in my house, like, you know, I got my yeah. ears and I'm recording this scent and recording this bass. And sometimes, like, people don't see it, but it took me 50 fucking takes to get that stupid little bass line. Just, yeah. like, not messed up. You know? Yeah, like, or, or, like, people don't understand. It's like, it's like no, I, I actually didn't play the uh, four-piece orchestra it's <laughs> like I, I use computer computers same way do like because people just be like oh you make beats yeah. it's like well that's that's like the the basement of a house you wouldn't yeah. just pour the foundation and be like there it is <laughs> check it out stuff that wood up <laughs> you know like, well i mean it's it's kind of it's kind of hard that's why like i want to do more producing i think 
because I do know some artists that are like performing like artists out there and I have a bunch of friends that are DJs and stuff so I feel like it's easier for me right now to like produce stuff and then help put it out to people that are doing it or like then I don't have to perform it which I, I don't mind I think performing would be fun but I have to find out like how do, like, I have to change my setup so that the music I'm recording is pretty much like me recording it live so that it would translate the same way like are you familiar with uh, I think FKJ is that his name he's a guy so. that um, he plays like a saxophone stuff has all these looper pedals and triggers and stuff set up on this big table and okay but a lot of it's like analog <clears throat> equipment and it's just like well like a four track mixer and but the way he does it, I mean, he puts together these bangers, and it's like, but all in a one shot, like live setup. Or mm -hmm. uh, Mark, uh, Mike, Zach, Zach Deputy, I know it's one guy here. Uh, Mark Rubelay, Southeast. I don't know Mark Rubelay. He's the guy with the glasses that looks like Kip. Oh, like okay, video, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That big old ass. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, his shows are like a little strange, but like he's up there just mixing it and looping it, and you know. So I, I feel like I would want to perform. Because, like, uh, it's another thing I was going to talk about. Uh, it's the Jaguar cult. It's this group of artists that I've been working with out in Salt Lake City. Um, it's a buddy of mine, David Brooks. He kind of, like, started it um, with some other Jaguar, like, like the jungle cat? Jaguar occult. 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 And so basically we have this super awesome warehouse space. He just moved out of it, so we're moving into a new one. So we're probably going to be on a hiatus for, like, a month. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's this big warehouse space, a loft above it and everything, and we threw these late night parties with this group called uh, Last Call SLC. And they would come in and do these late night club parties in our warehouse space from like 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. Like when everything else is closed, we're going hard. So it's like a... Uh like a rave and a speakeasy. Very underground, yeah. you know? So, I mean, that was kind of like <coughs> the establishment of like that warehouse space. But then we got into all these issues with our neighbor because we're kind of like in a residential space. Like, this is a weird warehouse in the middle of this like neighborhood. <laughs> <coughs> and our neighbor hated it because we had like a festival like sound system. like. We we're like shaking the dishes on the neighbors, like, <laughs> like, like it was bad. I would so, hate oh, living next. Yeah, to I you know. Guys. No, it was bad. They hated us, and like, David, he, he talked to them. Sometimes wasn't the best at negotiating, like in the moment, and like they got it worked out eventually. But yo, fuck your dishes! I don't give a fuck. Well, that group that was coming through, like, man, shit got rowdy, dude. Shit got ratchet late at night. Like we we're out there, like bouncing. You know, like breaking up fights and stuff, and that's when we we're like, "Nah, you guys can't do this thing anymore." So we started doing it ourselves, and we got a setup of um, they are like wireless FM transmitter headphones. So they uh, like the silent disco. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah. I went to I went to one like legit rave uh, back back in back when I was a. Uh, strapping fell in my 20s but it was in a, it was in Tallahassee uh, my friend Raquel took me um, oh wow that's the warehouse space um, wow. that is awesome yeah if anyone that's listening wants to see this just look on Instagram at uh, at Jaguar Occult that's 
O-C-C-U-L-T. Um, yeah, that's a big like panther head we made. We cut it out out of like uh, corrugated like plastic pieces and built this frame behind it. Yeah, yeah, that's then, really um, awesome. Dude. We got like three D mapping and laser projectors to light it up. And um, here's a video. I'm not gonna play it because the sound. But uh, this one's kind of like we have a big thirty foot screen and we'll have two DJs set up at the same time and the people can flick their headphones from different channels. Yeah. So they can all be dancing with someone else and listen to the other DJ. Um, so we have this event space and I mean it's been packed like we've been they've gotten bigger and bigger like we're packing this place. we're now headphones at the last event we did and we have like hundreds of headphones so it's definitely growing which is nice because now I'm like working with these people out there like this group of artists and we're all kind of collectively helping each other that's what the occult is like we like hey how can I help you what do you need help with marketing you know with branding you know do you need help with promotions and lining up shows because we have artists in there that are like booking actual shows and we have several DJs and one or two other people produce but like it's kind of like our thing now so like that's why I want to break into being able to perform my music live because I don't just want to get up there and DJ it seemed kind of boring, I would imagine. I mean, I feel like I could be good at DJing, but like, that's not like if I could reduce music, why would I DJ? Well, if I'm on stage, I either want to be using my, my voice or I want a stringed instrument in my hand, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, I'd like to sing, I'd like to do something where I can sing more. You should, you should totally uh, get into that. The one of the, the big, I guess, qualms, I guess, and it's just an, an artist <coughs> ego thing with me, but um. That I have ego with ego is the biggest enemy of the artist. Yeah, that's also one of the most useful tools. <laughs> it's a double-bladed sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the life. I know, right? Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, But um, with a uh, uh, loop music, is that you have to cater the idea around something that is going to be omnipresent in the song. So, like. For example, like with me, like I'll, I'll I'll like to go quote unquote out of key at certain moments just because I'll be like, well, I write weirdly, so like sometimes it'll just be acapella when I start. You know, I'll start with an idea and then words. And I'll be like, all right, now I have to find the key that my voice I know can sit comfortably in, so I can hit it like falsetto. I can hit it quietly and lowly, like like so. And it may not even be in the same key as the measure that it was before. So if I'm having to loop a sample, and now like I'm I'm limited yeah. in that capacity. And that's why I need to figure out ways to work because I've seen some more elaborate setups they have. And I think so. I think the way around this would be for at least what I figured for mine. I need to tinker with it and get it like worked out for sure. But so in Ableton you can just drag a looper effect onto a slot. And at that point, you're only limited on your loop size by your like memory and computing power. So I have a pretty strong computer and laptop, so I'm not like too worried about that. But like say, on a looper pedal, you're stuck with like a 16 bar loop. Mm -hmm. And you can't really go past that on most like standard looping pedals. Yeah. But on this, like, unless you're gonna substitute yeah. with another 16 yeah. bar loop. But if I want like a 32 <laughs> bar loop, I can do that, and then that can be like my channel one. 
and then I can have another channel that's a 16 bar loop. And like, so I can have like up to 20 channels all with like different loops on them. And then I can just adjust the sliders and times for those. So if I have to take one out and like raise up, so if I was doing like a chorus and pre-chorus, like you can just have your A and B sin. So you can mm -hmm. just change your sin, A and B, and now like my other chorus comes in and you can like change it up completely. That's, yeah, that's what's but, up. Cause that's where you get limited with loops is cause like, you know, you're in that rhythm. When you got so unless you like pause it. it and stop it and then start another loop for like your chorus section or something, then you have to go back to the other one. Mm -hmm. So I mean, there are more complicated like analog setups where you could like you know run one looper to a mixer, second looper to a mixer, and try and build it that way. But that's kind of nuts if you ask me. When you could just run it all through Ableton, I think you just need a big mixing board, and enough sliders to run all your volume and knobs. Yeah, get a good MIDI controller and like map it and save your preset. Oh man, what I really want to get, I want to get. Uh, uh, I'll probably be like an old man before I get it, but uh, MIDI pickups. So you can use a guitar as an alternate controller mm. to control MIDI, the yeah. same way you would with uh, you know a keyboard. Yeah, you know. So uh, that'd be awesome. Oh fuck yeah, dude! Man. Like, cause like like me, like I can I can compose ideas on the piano. I cannot play the compositions themselves, though. Like, so I have to look at it like one note at a time. Yeah. But like, piano is my first instrument. But I don't know how. I like, I'm not a pianist. Piano. You know. I use it for some keys and stuff, but I don't want to show it up. I I I've used that thing more or less as a a Kama Sutra device. Uh, <laughs> it's top notch. Get yourself a piano, folks. <laughs> Put it in your bedroom. You and your partner just. Slapping ivory. Just send me a <laughs> send me a thank you card. That's all that matters. You know, I, I don't even need that. Just pay it forward. <laughs> Tell your friends to get a piano. I had a badass organ as, in my old place. I, I mean, I mean, hyperbolic. I do play the piano uh, as well, but I mean, let's. I'm just being frank. It's. I should have got it. I had a nice organ in my old place that I got for free, but I had to move it like back up a flight of stairs when I moved. And it's like 400 pounds. I gave myself a hernia moving it in, and I said, fuck it. Because I wanted like $200 to move it, and I'm like, not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had to do that before, yeah. man, where I, like, I'm leaving a place where it's just like, what about that? Like, Damn. what about it, man? I wish I could, but. Sorry, just me here. <laughs> I'm leaving because I'm poor. I know. <laughs> <sighs> My land. He gave me three months. He's like, hey, I'm renovating the place. I'm like, you got three months to find a new place to live. I'm like, okay. So like two months and two and a half, a month and a half into it, I find a place and I let him know. And then like he waits like a week for I'm about to move out. And he's like, uh, so I was thinking if you just pay half of the January's rent, that'd be fine. I'll prorate it since you're moving out. You're not going to be there the whole month. I'm like, what the fuck? Wait, wait a second. You want, you're going to give me a 30 day notice and then I still expect me to give you a 30 day notice before I move out and like pay you like yeah. the rest of the 30 days. And I'm like, dude, I'm poor. Kick rocks. What's <laughs> <laughs> that? And he's like, what are you gonna do about it? You gonna take me to court? We don't have a fucking contract or an agreement. I'm not obligated to shit. Yeah. Fuck off. I've, like, I've, I've, had, that, I've had that before with people he's, uh, he's a creep, where I'm just like, hey, listen, <laughs> I took you at your word and no. Like you, you aren't worth your word, and I know you weren't worth your word because I've not been worth my word before in the past, you know. So, no, <laughs> no, should have thought about it beforehand.
fucking uh there's one place i lived at we had uh we had rats and when i say rats i don't mean like mice or like the brown rat these things were the size of fucking house cats. Like river rats. Yeah, like uh, nutrients. Yeah. As it, like, dude, <laughs> the, by VSU, I kid you not, we, uh, I'm sitting there, it's like Sunday evening, playing Grand Theft Auto in the living room, <laughs> and I see uh, my girlfriend's cat out of the corner of uh, my, uh, my left eye, out of my periphery. And it's by the front door. It's and it's fucking around with something at the front door, and it dawns on me that the cat's in the bedroom. And I slowly look to my left, and it's a giant fucking rat. I mean, Templeton times ten. Like this motherfucker is disgusting, and he's so large. It's like at the size of a New York. City uh, like, subway rat. Startling. Like, like, have you ever been to the uh, Manhattan and the uh, subways in New York and seen the rats? Yeah, it was yeah. this size, dude. Ungodly. And so all I could say was, <laughs> and I've learned that that is how I react when I'm scared. I can't even say the word God. All that comes out is goo. <laughs> so it terrifies the rat. Like the rat jumps up and does a backflip, which causes me to jump out my chair. It scurries in the corner underneath furniture. So I fling open the front door and I start tossing in like a fearful rage. Like I grab like a, a fucking like giant like chair like that, like a two person, but it's one chair cedar and throw it out the front door. The neighbors are on the front porch across the street and like, then they see me come back with like the couch and other stuff. I'm like, there's a rat. <laughs> so they just think I'm just like terrified of a mouse. You know, they're like, like, oh, Colt doesn't like mice. No. Right? <laughs> so like my, my girlfriend, like, I go and get the cat from the bedroom. And she's like, like, what the fuck's the cat gonna do? It's an indoor <laughs> cat, it's never seen a mouse. I'm like, this is not a mouse. And like I lift up the the only couch, it's the only piece of furniture now in the room. I've thrown everything out. It's hiding underneath here. I shine a flashlight and I lift the front cover up, and she sees it, and like she screams because like <laughs> things fucking gigantic. So like we finally it's like get a it. Chihuahua. Dude, it's bigger than a chihuahua. It it would eat a chihuahua if you follow like nature is metal on uh, Instagram. <laughs> You would see this motherfucker just, yeah, just <laughs> Templeton just catching the fucking Taco Bell dog from the 90s, just gnawing him to bits. But th that wasn't it. The rats came back. Like, there was more rats. So, we, we caught one. Like, the, we got my, uh, mouse traps first. They didn't work. They just, like, Pissed took them off. off. No, they just took them off. Yeah, they just disappeared. The uh, glue traps or whatnot, the humane traps, no, they just fucking took off with them. So we got, like, the industrial rat traps that, like, like you know, dirty kitchens will use and whatnot. Um, and, like, caught one. And like I saw how big this fucking thing was, dude. <laughs> like it was gigantic. I had to use a snow shovel to pick the rat up, and the snow shovel broke. It <laughs> broke from the weight of this rat. So we're like, thank God we got it. And then there was another rat. And like 
and another one. We got another one, and then we found out that like no, the house is infested. So I went to the landlord. I was like, I called them up, and they were like, uh, "Well, you uh, need to uh, stop in uh, the office and uh, uh, talk with somebody. We we're not uh, we can't handle this over the phone." I'm like, "Did you bring the rat?" No. Bring fucking bubonic plays <laughs> plays of business. That's just that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> But so I go up there, I'm like, and like some, uh, uh, another tenant, a lady is, uh, she's complaining about something they're, they're mishandling or mi the, whoever her property manager is, is mishandling it. My original landlord, uh, he outsourced to another company and then they had a new property manager take over who was feckless mm -hmm. for as far as I could tell. But, uh. She was, uh, the lady was being real dismissive with her, just like, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. And she's like standing there, like looking kind of like helpless. Now, I, I couldn't help her with her problem, but I could help bring attention to like, hey, you behind the counter, you need to do something. Because I was like, hey, I don't know what uh, your problem is, ma'am, but uh, I've got uh, rats the size of house cats that are just living in the kitchen of my house. And like, we've gotten four of them one humanely the other three dead like they're gigantic and she looks me dead in my eye and says well have you put in a maintenance request i said a maintenance request for what it's there's nothing in the house that needs maintaining i'm saying an exterminator yeah. is like like i i like who's in charge here like nothing <laughs> nothing at all so i i uh the last like few months I was there, I was I was a, a bachelor at this point, and uh, it was uh, hurricane season in uh, South Georgia. So that's usually like September, October, right? And of course, uh, you know, a storm rolls through, power goes out, and I hear the rats, and like <laughs> I don't know how many there are of them, but it sounds like it sounds like a group of like dogs in the kitchen and you just hear them just like they're taking over so i'm like fuck this so i light a candle real quick and like then like use it like quickly to light anything else i can that's <laughs> flammable and put on a coffee table and then turn on flashlights so like at least in the living room and around me they won't come near like the fire and yet i hear them like like all Straight. in the darkness like outside the perimeter of light like just like like they had control of the house so i think i'd just go bash them all the bat i'd like i'd be like some well i i didn't i i didn't want to start like, like push, firing buckshot indoors or anything yeah. <laughs> get a, a cattle prod dude well i i'll get them <laughs> but i i had lived in uh, another uh, house on that block a few years uh, prior and it and there were a couple of rats in it now, not that bad, but it leads me to believe that right, uh, right there around uh, VSU, like mm -hmm. there is a gigantic rat population. Yes, just under the ground, just like fermenting and fucking building like this cacophony rat orgy. Dude, I would. <laughs> I wonder how big the king rat is. Like the one who is like no orgies before mine. You know, like he's he's like the biggest walrus on it the beach. It looks like a fucking pit bull, dude. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> Slides out of this manhole. 
But it's got like this big old gut. <laughs> it looked like the fucking bad dog of All Dogs Go to Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> the big ass evil dog. <laughs> Did they have a sequel to that? Yeah. I never watched All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. Man, me either. It was kind of like the sequel to the never-ending story. I don't fucking think so. Never-ending, 90 minutes. <laughs> Kiss my ass. You want more money to see a sequel that will also... They should still be making them, honestly, if it's never-ending. Like, I mean, yeah, like, how many people, like, that would be just like, I'm going to see the never-ending story. Like, Carl, you'll never come back, please! You'll never see you again! Think of the family, Carl! I've made my mind. Wife, children. You remember that wolf in the movie? I have a childhood memory of I was at my babysitter's house and we were watching it, and it's from the fucking wolf's chasing the kid at the end. It's like, <laughs> it's like a scary, like, point of view from this wolf, like, running through the woods. And then they turned the channel, and it was the OJ Simpson police chase. Like, I just always remember, like, the never-ending story being interrupted by, like, fucking, we interrupt this news, and this is like Bronco, and then they're all, like, adults, and I'm, like, this little kid, and I'm, it was, like, right in the middle of the scary part of the movie, too, so I, like, never got real closer on it, you know? It was, like, it's like right much, in the middle. Much like most of Americans with the O.J. Simpson trial. <laughs> I've... I've, I think he killed those people. <laughs> he didn't he do a, write a book that's like, if I did it? Yeah. And... <laughs> the balls in that dude are admirable. Dude, that that was one of those 90s, like, turning points. Like, Grant, I was, I was what, like, I think 10 or 11, 95, I was 11 uh, for most of it, so... Like, I, I clearly didn't have a, a... Like, I didn't know who the fuck O.J. Simpson yeah. was. You know? But... If the glove don't fit, you, you must, must quit. I <laughs> did. <laughs> I mean, it's... I guess it proves you're rich, dude. We see a lot of uh, a police tampering that went on with that as well. Like, through the crime scene. Like, uh, you had, like, officers that were, like, walking through, like, puddles of blood and shit. <laughs> like, touching evidence. <laughs> you think we can get fingerprints off this? Oh. <laughs> yeah, she's dead. Look at that. Her arm just falls and falls. <laughs> Found a knife. Did I leave my glove over there? Oh, it's blood all over. Let me clean that off. <laughs> Smudges on the handle. Well, fudge. Crazy shit. It is, man. People are crazy, though. I mean, what's that? Ted Bundy was in, he lived in Salt Lake City. Like, I have met people, like, I met a girl, her mom dated him and had no idea that he was fucking killing people. That's fucking. You would have thought he was just, like, the most normal person. I've been to his cave. There's a cave where apparently he fucking killed people, and you can go to it now, and it's all, like, graffitied up, and it's like, you're not supposed to get there, but you can get there, you know? It's kind of weird, our fascination <clears throat> with macabre stuff to the point where like true evil and tourism man you start dating the these days and like girls don't realize like being obsessed with killing like, like serial killers in the office is not personality it's <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> like you want to hang out and watch true crime I'm like no, no. Cause you're probably batshit crazy yeah <laughs> hang out and talk about reptilian I'm, I'm, overlords I'm, I'm, taking I'm, control of the country <laughs> i am all about it girl the the uh 
one one of the um, the things where I'm usually just like nope is uh where uh if it's on like a you know like bumble dating app where you have pictures of your kids on a dating profile i know don't put pictures of your kids on a dating profile i don't know what guys profiles look like so i don't know what like the uh you know big like like hey like, like fellas, my son up next to a big old bass <laughs> <laughs> by, by, by the lip <laughs> <laughs> Look at my boy. <laughs> Proud of this one. <laughs> some people, yeah, they'll post all these pictures of their kids. And it's like, bro, like, you're, like, I get you love your kids, shit. You want yeah, to smile, but yeah. Like, get them off a dating profile. Yeah, I know. What the fuck, man? You know what kind of fucked up people are? I mean, I ever send them, like, some girl will have a picture of her fucking, like, kids and shit. And some dude will be, like, jerking his dick up to get hard to take yeah. a picture of to send yeah. to her. Like, there's like, a who's in that picture. It's there's a, a friend of mine. She uh, she uh, had put something on a social media where a guy had like been commenting on like like how uh, you know how sexy she was and all this with uh, and what he was referring to. It was like a video where it was like her and her son were like playing, and she was like, "Dude, what the fuck?" Yeah. And then like he he was just like he's just like yeah. He's like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "It's sexy. It's hot." And she's like, no, nah. she's like, that's mostly me and my son. Like, what are you, yeah. like, like, not cool. It's crazy. Dudes are creep. Which makes it hard if you're like, just a normal dude who wants to date. And you're like, eh. some dudes out there fucking it up, making it super hard for anybody else. Oh, well, it's crazy. Little, you, you need a little bit of creep, because I'll be like, yeah. that's, you know. <laughs> they're a, they're yeah. a mystery, I guess. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, we're... <laughs> I'm human after all, but but some of these girls tell me no. stories and it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, fuck that, dude. Like, it's I had I had this one fucking uh, this girl. This was uh, it was like Memorial Day weekend of uh, last year, and. Uh, She's like down for like you know three day weekend or whatnot. She uh she lives uh not not too far like you know uh, another another uh, city in uh, South Georgia and uh, she's down then down. well while uh you know like I had uh, I was off on vacation like that whole week right so um she had a uh, while she was here she uh she she uh she stole uh. Uh, illicit substances from me mm. and I was like yo you need to leave like like nah like you need to be gone so I was uh or I found out it happened I was uh not uh at the house at present I had stepped out to like you know for just a hot second and then I found out about that I was like yo you don't need to be there when I get back like at all so I, uh, you know, I, I come back and, you know, she's gone, her, her dogs <clears throat> are gone, like, so I'm like, I'm like, oh, I take a sigh of relief, I'm like, thank you, Lord, and before I get the word Lord fully out, <laughs> like screaming like a lunatic, on my front porch 
and I found out what it was. The crazy bitch parked her car in the backyard, like in like hidden by like like woods and brush and whatnot, and like had been sitting there like for like however long and whatnot, and like she's like screaming like I have no place to go. I'm like I'm like. Like, like what, like where are your kids? Like where are your children? She's like, in this city? I'm like, why aren't you with your family? Like, cause I had just found out that like, like, like she had three children, three children. And she was just off like stealing and doing speed and meth and like all this stuff from people. And she got caught, she got had by me. And then like, now she like, like, I couldn't, like, call the law. What am I going to say? Like, like hey, like, she uh, stole something from me that if you copped would uh, put me in handcuffs. She came so. over and stole my weed off the street. Can you get that back for me? It'd be awesome. <laughs> but uh, now, now, like, my neighbor's, like, coming out. My, my neighbor's, my neighbor is awesome. Like, he, like, he and his family, like, like, best neighbors that like I, I could ask for but now they see this commotion like they're they're like you know good <laughs> like upstanding like you know southern folk and they see this nice vagabond living next to them <laughs> like they don't care you know but like this is a ruckus and so like now like they're wondering like is there some like domestic violence shit going down and She's like, you know, like, like, oh, I have nowhere to go, where to go, and like, I just at this point, I just want her like in, like inside and like quiet. So I'm like, I'm like, you can stay like one more night. I was like, in the morning, like you're gonna go. I was like, like, and you're gonna sleep in the bedroom, and I'm gonna sleep on the couch with chains on. <laughs> nah, but I, uh, I uh, moved, uh, I moved my firearms around and my ammunition as well before like I let her like back inside just in case like she had been because a thief a thief will normally case right yeah and so like later that night yeah she's like you know trying to trying to pop that pussy off on me and like be like no let's go to the bedroom let's go to the bedroom and do this I'm like no <laughs> like absolutely not I'm like in my mind I'm just like oh god like like I'm in hot water. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want is to oh my God. get out of here. Get out of here. Like, oh. and then she starts like feigning, like crying, like, <gasps> like all this like hyper dramatic stuff. And so, like, uh, eventually, eventually, I, I, I outlast her patience. You know what I mean? And she like goes into like the guest room and like you know passes out. And so I'm like, all right. So like, then I'm. Like wait till I like I hear like snoring and all that shit before like I nap out for a little bit. I wake up the next the next morning and like I like hop in the shower so that way like she hears that I'm up and it gives me uh, that I don't have to like be like get up out of my bed or anything like yeah. this because I know that thief is going to take the opportunity then to get up and like scope like make one quick run. Right, right. So I, so I catch her. I catch her. She stole a bath mat. She stole like money for the change jar. Like she stole lottery tickets that had expired. But she, she you know. So then I'm like, you know, I got my phone out. I'm recording. I'm like, I, I get off the property. I'm like, come back again. It's trim, uh, criminal trespass. 
Like, you are not welcome here at all. You're not welcome to ever come back here. And she's like, you know, screaming and cussing. And I'm like, whatever. So I turn to go back inside. And all I do is I just get to the threshold and turn around. I see her hop out of the car. And she throws one of her dogs, like, on the porch and takes off into the car and says, you can keep her. And, like tries to like back up. I'm like, you poor dog. Yeah. I'm like, you crazy bitch, stop. And like, like I catch her at the end of the driveway because then you're on the road and there's traffic right there. So I put the car, or the dog, excuse me, I put the dog back in the car and she starts screaming, oh God, don't hurt him, please. I'm like, you fucking maniacal bitch. <laughs> like, get off. So. After that experience, my <laughs> lord, dude, you you start becoming really, really Picky. cautious. Yeah. you know. Well, I had a friend in Salt Lake, and his girl that he went through, she posted a whole bunch of shit about him when they broke up. But like, he showed me videos of him getting arguments with her, and she like straight would like smash her head into the fucking window, like, and fucking just try and make it look like he was like beating her. She was. That shit crazy. Yeah, dude. abusive women exist. Yeah, she's like hurting her. She's like, she really fucking headbutted at the glass in the door trying to break it and like cut herself. And it's yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Like, I'm out. Yeah. Peace. I don't need it in my life. Like, I ain't that lonely. Fuck, no, nah, dude. Like, I... I got a dog, man. That's all I need. <laughs> my, my my whole thing, it's... it's And granted, I, I am shallow to the point where, like, I got to think a girl's cute. Like, yeah, I know. Like, you I know... I mean, but girls are the same way. They can't say that. Oh, yeah. Not, you know? Oh, yeah. You gotta just date some fugly, ugly... Oh, no. Ugly no. Well, I mean, like, me, I've always been a fat kid. So, no. like, I've always had to rely on, like, charm and always had to rely on women that aren't shallow, which is what you should want anyway. Yeah. You should want your person, your partner, not to be shallow. I had to learn to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> this genius didn't come naturally, <laughs> folks. We had to earn it. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> I mean, you know, to your point, it is true, though, man. Like, um, it, if all you have to offer somebody is a vagina, you ain't, you ain't got shit, dude. Everybody on the planet's got a warm hole. Like, I mean, like, just saying, like, you you gotta have more to offer. Like, so what's sexy? Like, fucking ambition, uh, uh, intelligence, open-mindedness, com uh, communicativeness, yeah. you know? Like, like, these things are, like, awesome. And, like, you can also throw all the, the kink dirty shit in there as well, but, I mean, that's, again, like, that, that just ties into the carnal stuff, man. Yeah. Like, that's, that's... Those are bonuses. Well, I mean, yeah, because like, like I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't enjoy sex if like the person's boring. I don't, I don't bang like boring or dumb people for that reason. I know. You know, and I think it's something that's like wired in me. Like I don't, like I just, I'm not turned on by it. So I think it's something that's wired in me to where, like it's it's my balls that are like again they're they're calling the shots. You know what I mean? It's that thing where it's like no, we don't want our genes to create life with this yeah. because again it's like either boring or uh, uh, on a different intellectual level so and, and that's fine a lot of people aren't into the same stuff and I don't, I don't need like a partner and I to be like into the same stuff or anything like that's it, it's it's more about like a, you know a core belief system and like you know what uh, 
what what you put uh, importance in, and that yeah. you're you're always trying to achieve something. You know, like you gotta have something on the horizon, like long term goals. You know, yeah. but yeah, partner that'll you have to be compromising. I feel like that's one thing I went through. Like I made a bunch of changes for like my partner that I moved out there with, but like I mean, she straight up told me that she didn't have the emotional energy to help me with any of the changes I was going through. Yeah. Like, wouldn't even try. Wouldn't lift a finger. Wouldn't try and be empathetic or, like, discomfort herself in any way to help me as her partner. It's like, it was just always me giving, 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 giving. And then there was a point where I was, like, resented because I did everything so well. And it was like, I was so good to her that she, like, hated me for it. And it was just like, how does that fucking even make sense? And like, you know, but if you have a partner, you have to inconvenience yourself sometimes like I didn't like doing 90% of the shit I did to like keep her comfortable and satisfied and all that but you know what that's, I still did it yeah that's what but being then, a, a man or being a woman yeah. being an adult partner, is, is all yeah. is, is all about it's doing what needs to be done before what uh, you want to be done you know doing what uh, doing what you have to do before what you want to do I noticed those red flags earlier now though I think right? that's a big thing. Right? If I'm aware of them, and you're like, eh. But then it's also like, maybe well, I'll probably die alone because I'm so like, mm, I don't know, no, man. No, we get like really picky. Like, I don't know. You, um, <laughs> you know, trust the process is, yeah. is something that I've I've come to learn, and that you know, you know, like I look at, I look at like five years ago, like the person I was, and like like I like I was like height of Adderall use with me, and like like I was a nasty person. And like I was not fun to be around, you know. I didn't like myself. I didn't. I took it out on other people. I wouldn't do that better all. And well, I had before that was a precursor. I was in an abusive relationship with you know someone that you know wanted me to abuse them, you know, to uh, get me to play a villain, try to goad me into like you know getting in fist fights with them and whatnot. Um, and you know, you drown yourself in drugs and sorrow, and you know. It's, it, it doesn't work at all, you know what I mean? And <clears throat> then uh, after I got uh, off of Adderall, I, uh, I, uh, I got into a, uh, a, a relationship with uh, someone who's like, like a good person. Like, they're, like she and I are still good friends. It didn't work for us at the time because we both had other drug problems. And you, know, you, you can only party and do drugs for so long before it's like, hey, like, I know we we were friends before we were lovers, yeah. but it's like, hey, I know that like this is fun and everything, but like I'm not happy, and because you realize that like you're you're just a hamster in a wheel, and yeah. like I don't want to do that. And then got into another relationship where, you know, I was uh, I was engaged, and it got to the point where, I, I realized that we uh, we we were worlds apart as far as like uh, how um. How, how we wanted to grow in life, you know, because yeah. like I, I had been <clears throat> doing my best to like improve, you know, like like no more speed, uh, uh, minimizing alcohol. I barely have alcohol anymore, and when whenever I do, it's normally at someone else's behest. Yeah. I.e., it's not something that I seek. I, don't I like, always get, I always get sick when I drink, so I've always been very lucky in that. Like I've never had any. Real <coughs> it's kept me out of a lot of trouble. I think. I always just feel fucking low, man. Yeah. This makes me feel shitty, like physically. It um 
And it, it's it's not really a, like a, a good drug or a good vice. Like I mean, it's detrimental. People get violent. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's um, it, it has it has a lot of similar benefits that uh, something like cocaine has, where like it lowers inhibitions and allows you to excuse me have the have the well yeah you have bravery to be able to share yourself with other people and like that's that's a really rewarding experience that's what most people want Uh, you know it goes back to some of those folks talking about that you know like mass shooters and whatnot like they 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 wanted somebody to listen in some way and you know you substitute human being and a genuine connection for just drugs and like you get bad results yeah. normally you get bad results with uh, drugs anyway but I mean it's the, I feel like I'm at the point now where like all I like to do is smoke weed and do acid yeah. that's about like my and I don't even do acid all the time but like every time I do mushrooms I get sick I can't like eat them anymore Mushrooms are intense. It's, I mean, it's it's a religious experience yeah. with me, um, because it's you know I'm I'm having to, I'm, I'm getting messages from something divine, you know, that is of the earth. L- LSD is something that uh, gives us like a window into the fifth dimension. So it's still extremely profound. That's like right? a different way. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I always preferred LSD. LSD, like, I was always able to, um, like uh, in the past, like I would go out in public. Like while on LSD and just nobody would know. Yeah, I, I would let like like my my one accountability buddy. I know. I'd be like, hey, I'm on acid. I like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you are. I'm like, yeah, dude, can't tell. Like, no. I'm like, oh, look at I my used, pupils. They're I the size to, of quarters. I used to run the events we do in the warehouse and shit. I'd be tripping my balls off and like making sure everything was fucking going right. Like I couldn't even unwind. Psych- I was just like, psychedelics need to have the same legality that alcohol has, in my opinion. Um, I know, there's some people I worry about when they take. I've been around some people that like definitely can't handle their shit, and they'll get like fucking weird. Man. Well, so you have to like. Well, hear hear me out on this. Hear me out on this. Uh, I think our drug laws should be reexamined oh, yeah. completely. So if it is something that is readily available in nature, it cannot be scheduled. Yeah. Marijuana, uh, peyote, psilocybin mushrooms, ayahuasca. These shall not be uh, regulated as controlled substances. They're readily available in nature. Get bent. Like yeah. that's like that is not a difficult line to draw. Um, now, anything else I would find that has a, a danger aspect where it may have uh, lethal consequences. I think at most you should need a doctor's note. And if you're caught with it without your authorization that you can have that you just yeah. get it taken away from you that's yeah. it you don't go to jail you just have it taken away from you and it goes back to whoever uh, the manufacturer is yeah. you know um, destroy it do whatever but yeah no it definitely is overhaul but as long as there's money in it and private prisons and stuff like that and revenue for police departments through fines and that's like because there's not enough money for the police departments and stuff. That's why they fucking crack down that shit so hard. Yeah. You know, you think fucking, what do you like, think they do with all the drugs that Miles County bust? You think they fucking incinerate all that shit? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's always the rumor that, uh, you know, uh, it's pretty well documented in other cities that uh, evidence room, things get redistributed 
back into the populace. Yeah. And uh, I know just in a, in New Jersey, in, a, in Camden, while I was up there, I guess this would have been 2010, um, there was a, a bit of a, a scandal for the city uh, because the city council had laid off almost half of its city employees, including like firefighters and the uh, police uh, department. And meanwhile, the, uh, they kept their budget the same and everybody on city council and the upper echelons, they, they all got to yeah. keep their jobs. Uh, so in Camden, there was an area, uh, there are, I don't know if it's the same now, because uh, you know, it's been 10 years, but um, they were quarantine zones or drug zones. Uh, these neighborhoods were completely controlled by government. So they're completely controlled by the city. Everything around that is government dependent. Now, as far as running it, they left that up to the uh, crime mob in this neighborhood, in this hood. So if you were found in this hood and you weren't a resident, you went to jail. This allowed the uh, drug cartel in Camden to continue operating underneath a smaller watchful eye of the government. And meanwhile, they could distribute that from Jersey. New Jersey is not that big of a state. Yeah, and there's a fuckload of people there. Yeah. So, and it's like Canada's right across the river from Philadelphia. So, I mean. I have family in Trenton. Yeah. So it's, I think it's pretty close to there. Yeah, Trenton's like a uh, uh, train ride to Trenton. It's like uh, 45 minutes from like the greater Philly area. Yeah. Uh, traffic, who knows? <laughs> to, to, to try your luck. <laughs> that, that was really convenient about living there. It was just like, shit, man, if I got enough gas to make it to the train station and like I've got like like four bucks, I can get yeah. round trip anywhere. To leave Jersey, it cost five bucks at the time. Like, it didn't cost anything to get in, but if you were trying to drive your car out of New Jersey, you had to give New Jersey five dollars yeah. before you left. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. The tolls up there are nuts. I think when we went through on vacation once because we were towing the trailer, maybe we paid like $200 like one way and tolls just going through. Yeah. We had a trailer. It's yeah. Nuts. Yeah, there was uh, some bridge uh, whenever uh, my dad helped, uh, helped me Washington move. The fucking bridge? No, it, it wasn't right there in, uh, uh, in Jersey and Philly and everything, but it was, um, it was somewhere in Maryland. Uh, when he was, we were moving up to Jersey. My dad was helping me move up, and with us in the U-Haul with the, you know, the car and the trailer behind it, it was like a, over a hundred dollars yeah. to to cross a bridge. And my dad <laughs> told the toll he's like, "That bridge ain't worth a hundred dollars." Going around it, here <laughs> shaking his. Like it's it, only fifty bucks in gas to go around. Oh my god, I. uh I do, I do wish that uh, there was like there's no uh, you know Valdosta was founded uh, as a railroad town and the railroad's still here but there's not a passenger line yeah. that, that comes through and there's not it one. It blows like, my mind that there's not. Yeah, it could connect the south so well, like all the way from Florida to Atlanta, like Miami to Atlanta, a rail system that ran and stopped along like Macon and Perry and all those would be huge. I, I wonder if they had. Um, the start of one going uh, during the Civil War, and then before Sherman made his march, uh, and the uh, what they call the Sherman neckties, where they would like lift the uh, 
the uh, the the iron, you know, the rails off of the ground and bend them around like the trees. Like total war. Like it's like hardcore dude. The shit, shit Sermon did is fucked, but like damn man. He knew like He knew how to fucking cause some destruction. Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a fucking uh, it's a game of chess. You know I know. What I mean? Well, it's like a buddy of mine's talking about World War One, and he is watching a documentary Ooh. about it, and they're like talking World about how they would do. So, like some of the battles, like one I forget the name, but it was like it sounded like a drum roll, and it was artillery fire for like fucking hours straight, like two point four like million rounds or something. It was, and that's artillery rounds, you know. That's not like bullets. That's like. Yeah. It's like people like lost their mind. He said like the first row of shells would be like these exploding shrapnel shells that would detonate and shoot shrapnel down, and then they'd shoot gas, and then they'd shoot bunker busters to like get the people in the trenches, and then they'd follow up with another round of shrapnel, then gas, and then like behind that was just like a concussive barrage that was just like this was like a line that just obliterated everything in its path, and then behind that they had like the foot soldiers coming through and wiping out the survivors in the trenches. But it's like to think souls to die. Soul, yeah. Soldier, souls yeah. to die. But it's just like, like you said with chess, it's like somebody, some generals just like hit him with shrapnel, hit him with gas. And like that was all strategically planned with those artillery to like just decimate this front. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I saw, crazy. I saw this, um, uh, this argument one time where uh, it talked about that um, the idea of a transcontinental railroad, right? And the idea of the transcontinental railroad was that you could go from uh, Lisbon, Portugal, to Tierra del Fuego at uh, the tip of South America. I forget if it's in on the Chile side or on the uh, uh, Argentinian side. Uh, I think it's on the Chilean side. Anywho, um, so the um, the Americans and the Russians really started working at the railroad system a lot. You know, you look at the 19th century mm-hmm. and like you really see it take off after the Industrial Revolution. So it was a um, it was a threat to the British Navy, right? The Navy controlled travel. They controlled the passage. Like they had all the ports. They had uh, their colonialist agenda was very successful as far as its imperialistic nations, which we, you know we now know is like that's not a, imperialism is not a good idea, um, as far as like you know conquering lands and whatnot. So the and the railroad was a unifying idea as well, where the idea of like like well yeah like we still have borders in our countries but we can still connect so yeah. in, in essence it would become a world without borders in in the grand scheme of it that because we would all be connected while still having sovereignty you know um and the the uh, great britain was not about that at all um so uh, world war one essentially with trench warfare destroys the uh, majority of parts of the European line that connected Lisbon, it went from Lisbon to Baghdad, was this railway system, right? And it would connect with the Trans-Siberian as well. And the Trans-Siberian, they were going to make a bridge across the Bering Strait from uh, uh, Siberia to Alaska, and then that would connect with the Canadian uh, uh, Mexican-American yeah. uh, lines. And uh, so the the UK um, or excuse me uh, Germany 
uh, rather, I had a guy, uh, uh, Otto Van Bismarck in. And Otto Van Bismarck was a, uh, I'm not too sure about his character, but as far as like this idea of like, like the railroad and like, like, like a, it's a way that one nation doesn't have dominance of the planet. Yeah. You know, that's a bad thing. Well, that's why Germany is building fucking railway super weapons because they knew if it was all connected, they could just fucking train their shit anywhere and blow the fuck out of people. Mm. So, the uh, after uh, Otto van Bismarck left, uh, I think it was Kaiser Wilhelm II came in and he uh, was a member of the royal family, essentially. He was related, so he was a sympathizer with yeah. the crown. And, uh, uh, something happened where it was uh, they were like, there was like on a boat somewhere and like someone from uh, 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 I think it was uh, Russia and uh, uh, Austria Hungary were on there with it and convinced uh, Wilhelm to go and form an alliance with them and like not to be a part of uh, the alliance with um, uh, 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 Great Britain and France and uh, uh, Serbia, I think it was. Maybe Russia. I think Russia was on the Serbian side, now that I think about it. So it must have just been Austria-Hungary. But anywho, so then whenever this happened, like uh, when uh, Franz Ferdinand was killed, like the UK, like the crown, was like one of the trigger men that wanted this to happen. But that way, like the railroad system would be destroyed as far as the Americans and the Russians and the Arabians would not have control over it and they would centralize uh, railway systems themselves as well. It's crazy how much power came from the railroads. Well, even like mm -hmm. the expansion of the West, dude. You ever watch fucking Hell on Wheels? No, I've heard about it. Yeah, I like the actors that yeah, are in it. But it's it's crazy how much like gangster shit went into building the railways. Like, yeah, but it used to be like our claim to fame. You know, it was like that's what was the transcontinental all the way across was the transcontinental U.S. Um, you know, like once that was done, it was like I was like the epitome. It's like, man, look, this is America. This is great. You can go. All the way across his land on the rail system and then you know in some ways like the interstate system like made it kind of obsolete but i feel like if america had a rail system that like mirrored or was like somewhat close to the main lines of the interstate mm -hmm. system like it'd be excellent for our country for commutes and stuff. I, I i i can agree with that um i i think that um if done though <laughs> it um it should be done by um uh, american companies and uh the rationale I, I have behind that is um you look at california and uh what was this like three years ago that like a uh, uh a majority of california was uh, on fire right mm -hmm. and like the uh they, they have fires every year, but, like, start, some of them start getting bad. Well, dude, it fucked and, up us in Utah. Like, the whole summer, I had smoke in the valley from... It carried, like, states over. It was, like, the air quality was horrible and everything. I remember that, for sure. But, uh, yeah, some of these, uh, some of these areas that uh, were burning were, um... Were, were, were not areas that normally burned, right? And, uh, you look at some of these neighborhoods that, um... 
the the houses are destroyed, like gone, and yet the uh, the lawn will be fine, and the trees across the street are like fine. Sometimes it just targets one specific house. There's other times where like a playground is destroyed, and yet the um, the microwave-safe plastic yeah. uh, 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 obstacle course or whatnot that they have is a okay. Um, and uh, the few of the arguments that I came across saw uh, talked about how there was a railway system that's owned by a Chinese company that it's projected the path that it wants to build would go conveniently right where some of these anomalies and these fires have been happening. Um, so that, uh, you know, uh, probably about 20 years ago, there was something similar with a, 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 a Spanish company that was, um, I think I've talked about this before, a Spanish company wanted to build a, 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 a toll road system uh, going all the way from Mexico through uh, America and up through Canada into Alaska. And they were going to have a toll on it and charge us and Mexicans and Canadians for using this road and all the money wouldn't go back to our infrastructure it goes back to Europe yeah. you know what I mean but um, I look at some of this stuff with uh, the argument with the, the railway system and there's uh, some of the stuff in Australia as well some of these areas that were uh, they've they've talked about that um, they had uh, these laws put into place years ago that uh, restricted uh, people from doing controlled burns to burn brush. So like here in the south, like every year you'll see farmers that'll burn their land, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so this like quote unquote uh, green uh, uh, party uh, legislation came in that restricted that. Whilst at the same time, the same government put in stuff that allowed uh, foreign companies to come in and drain the groundwater and all these natural springs out of these areas in Australia and to be sold elsewhere. And what happens whenever uh, yeah, whenever fire breaks out is boom, it, it gets even worse than what it should have been. So it's it's not the the argument of like, well, it's climate change. It's like, well, I mean, the climate's always changing. So yeah. I mean, it's but. That, that that's just a, an empty canned statement it's just empty rhetoric when we just sort of like well it's climate change well I mean, I mean fuck dude like yeah crime is bad <laughs> you, know, you, you know it's 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 a broad brush stroke it's generalization but in Australia in particular like you you see that as being like one of the primary causes of the fire then you'll see like these anomalies that would tie into you argue uh, uh, direct energy weapons right drones with lasers on them um, so you you can't just have like them just like burning something and like for no yeah. reason people will catch on it's a psyop right so you wait for something to happen and then you can capitalize on it and then target these specific areas so it's this uh, uh, these uh, rail companies, light rail companies, that I, and I think we're going to see them at the end of the 21st century really take a, uh, a stranglehold on uh, uh, how we uh, travel. Uh, but I, th I think that's them that's laying the groundwork. And yeah. They're working with uh, big military uh, uh, militant groups to get it done.
I feel like if we had more incentives for Americans to do it, because it's big in Europe and China and all that, like you can travel across mainland China like super fast and bullet trains, and mainland China is fucking gigantic. Yeah, but I, th- I, th- well, here in America we have so many folks who are in rural areas. You know, like uh, from what I understand, uh, one thing that kind of sets us apart from other countries are, is that. Uh, you know, out in rural areas and other the places. The West is so wide open, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, weird. like, yeah, you they, you don't they, realize as much. So you get out there too. That's yeah. Like, yeah. Life once you get past the Rockies, then you start like getting a window as far as like the frontier, and like, cause on the East Coast, man, everything's so condensed over yeah, here, dude. It is. Well, even when you get out in like Kansas and stuff, you really start to see it. It's just like, fuck, dude. It's like you, you know, like I went to stop at a. I was on the interstate, and they're like, yeah, this exit, Dairy Queen. And I get off, and it's like, all right, Dairy Queen, 14 miles that way. You're like, fuck, so you got to drive, like, 20 minutes off, like, the interstate to get to Dairy Queen. But I did it, because I went fucking to Blizzard for my boring-ass drive through Kansas. But <laughs> I, saw, I saw one hill in Kansas. We we uh, we drove all, all through that mother. Um one hill and it was it was a man-made hill so it didn't even really count i mean it's um, beautiful in its own right for like 10 minutes i wonder i wonder if like like there's a an ungodly amount of flat earthers in kansas because that's all they see i can see that oddly enough a lot of pilots and astronauts come out of kansas because they do a bunch of crop dusting i can see that yeah when i was flying when i was driving through last time there's a dude there's several of them like you know, this be flying right down next to the interstate, and they come down like ten feet off, and like they'll roll out. And so I guess that's why there's so many pilots and people. There's like a training academy and stuff there for it. And but I was just was thinking, it's like, man, makes sense. I guess they're all fucking little crop dusty flyboys. <laughs> like, there was a, a buddy of mine. At one of my one of my earliest jobs was uh, I was a bus boy. For a Texas Roadhouse, I used to make their, their rolls. It was my first job. Was it? Yeah. No shit. Yep. <coughs> I was the bread boy. Holy hell! I'm the bus boy, and I was the bread boy. <laughs> but um, <coughs> there was a, a buddy of mine, Matt. He was a uh, he was older. He, I, I remember he was old enough to like uh, like buy alcohol and whatnot. So I was like 17 at the time. And uh, he was um, he was uh, taking uh, uh, flying lessons, like like uh, you know here in, in Valdosta, and uh, you know, he uh, was uh, able now to like like fly solo and like like uh, he could bring somebody up with him. So like like he and I uh, we were gonna go on a on a uh, a Wednesday uh, uh, and go flying and. Uh, I was like really excited because I'd never like I got I would get to sit in the cockpit and like I never had that experience, and then uh, the uh, the day before uh, was a nine eleven, and uh, <laughs> didn't uh, didn't get to go. Didn't get to go. Get to go. <laughs> Thanks, terrorist. I mean, not to sound selfish. But... <laughs> well, anyway. That's the thing. Time plus tragedy equals comedy. Oh my god, that's a good saying. Time plus tragedy equals comedy. Yep. Good lord. All right. First time I heard it, I was like, "Fuck, that's good." <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I think what always uh, impresses me with uh, anyone, anytime anyone's like too soon, I'm like, wait. <laughs> knock knock. <laughs> Who's there? Nine eleven. Nine eleven. Who? You told me you'd never forget. <laughs> it's fucked up. That's cold. It's fucked up. That's... But my sense of humor is fucked up, so I'm used to it. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not trying to impress anybody at this point. They can't hang. Fucking get off my porch, bitch. Oh, man. At the end of the day, all I've all I've got is like laughter, <laughs> tears, rage, or uh, uh, just being numb. You so know? I tell people, I'm like, hey, I'm offensive. Get over <laughs> it. <laughs> if you don't like it, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> You're insensitive. All right, don't listen. Like. People, it was like we were talking earlier about like people that would get upset over speech and it's like it's like well that's whatever it is it's like that's that's hate speech it's like well one I, I think that's kind of a that's a bullshit term right yeah. you know like if somebody's being a dick and saying foul things or bigoted things then they're they're an asshole like I, I don't I don't think like like trying to put this notion of well it's it's hate speech it's like well so much speech can be hate speech yeah. you know some again yeah, who's to say at that point you know? yeah well I tell, you, I tell you who's censor? not is who's the government yeah. like the government <laughs> is not to say so like like you, you can't draw a line you know you can draw a line for yourself because like like I've said foul and offensive things yeah, you know just tell me but hey I, I don't appreciate that and most time I'll be like okay yeah I mean humor is also like it's a it's my defense mechanism so many times and it's a good defense mechanism I've learned it's hard for comedians these days sister you are preaching to the choir <laughs> you can't tell jokes one gets all pissy and like that's offensive it's like well then you shouldn't be listening to jokes in the fucking first place if yeah you're offended. yeah like if you can't take somebody's words with a grain of salt like I don't uh, you have no worth to me you have no opinion to me you're fucking garbage. Fuck off. Like <laughs> Nor- normally, just 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 me. Call me old fashioned. But um, if if you find the humor and comedic routines of the thought police to be funny, <laughs> then oof. Um, it I don't I don't know. It just seems like it's like. It's like canned laughter, right? Yeah. Um, or it's um, it's almost as if like uh, you know you can if if people are books, right? And you find some people that they're they're just an empty page of book or paper, yeah. you know, either that or if we're all uh, uh, pieces of paper in the human story, then you'll meet people that like they're just blank pages, they're just dividers, separators. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be one of those fancy ass calligraphy oh, Bible pages, dude. dude. The monks used to fucking train their lives to paint. <laughs> Did you, um, man? One of my uh, one of my favorite albums ever um, is um, is by uh, a band called the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You might have heard of them. I think so. But um, sounds familiar. The oddly enough, um, <clears throat> the album. Is one hot minute. It is not a John Frusciante album. It is the Dave Navarro album, as far as yeah. the guitarist. Now, 
John Frusciante is a beautiful guitar player, like mm-hmm. fantastic. But the fact that in the chronology, because Frusciante wasn't always in the Chili Peppers either. Mm-hmm. He came in, you know, about ten years Lee, after they were a band. Lee and Keyless. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, fucking Jack Irons, Chad Smith, and other drummer. I think Jack Irons may have been the first one, but then uh, yeah. uh, fuck Hillel. I think Hillel was like the original guitarist, and he like died. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, have you read the book Scar Tissue? No, I have not. I heard I it's really it. good. It's amazing. You should definitely read it. That's what's up. He but, talks about swallowing balloons of heroin and then going to Mexico and throwing them up, spending a week doing heroin, spending a week detoxing, fly back and fucking record an album. It's like fucking insane, dude. I don't know how he's alive. Like, dude, uh, um, on one hot minute, you hear the band at their most tortured. It's their heaviest album by far. It's also arguably probably their darkest album and like yeah. their most psychedelic album. It is not a... Uh, you listen to the difference between it and Californication. Californication is mastered where there there is no peaks and valleys. It's just like poof, everything is loud, compressed to shit, and like it's it sounds like it's being played through a radio. You listen to one hot minute or even uh, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, its predecessor, and like there's dynamics in the music, you know. Like, but aside from that, um, you know, uh, one hot minute is. Um, Arguably, I would find Flea and Chad Smith's best record. Anthony Kiedis is his most tortured record because that's when he's at his lowest on heroin. Yeah, that was that that Um, time period. Yeah, but um, the booklet for it um, in the the jewel case, uh, the lyric booklet, every song had had its own page. It was like a story time, like a children's book. And uh, all the lyrics were done in calligraphy. So you would see like like the big like letter T for like the first you know word and yeah. then like dot 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 or whatever and often accompanied with like a little uh, uh, golden books kind of like uh, image yeah. like in the corner of the design beautifully like executed like design as far as like uh, the uh, the graphic design of the album itself and I miss that a lot I miss that with, a lot with music and CDs and albums you yeah get that on Spotify and shit these no days. no. And substituted like like the endless orgy of sounds for that experience, and like how awesome it was like whenever like you would get an album and the music was great. You didn't um, regret your purchase. You didn't regret you your purchase over and over. And uh, the the album art was gratifying as well. You know what I mean? Like like I love that. Um, a Soundgarden, Super Unknown, was like the first album that got me into wanting to be a guitar player, a songwriter, and a graphic designer. Like, because the booklet of that, like, the, um, um, every, every uh, page, uh, the font art, as far as the body uh, font, was, was consistent. It was all caps, and it was uh, just a, um, uh, what do you call it, sans serif uh, font, right? Uh, meanwhile, they would uh, be different colors on the page depending on the background image behind it. And the song title would be uh, in different font art for every song, um, and uh, it was it was beautifully done, like beautifully done. Like I always love that whenever like uh, you open up an album, you could see like how much thought went into yeah. the whole package of it. Yeah, like, I feel like we live in single society now. Everything singles, kind of, because yeah. because it, it is a single play. You think about because everything's on your on your phone, right? Oh, it's like Oliver Tree. I love Oliver Tree. 
Like, I don't know if you listen to Oliver Tree or not. I've heard them. The but... weird kid with the bowl cut and the glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love all this stuff. It's crazy. Super out there. Super just, like, slap in the face. Like, what is this? But, like... And looks so quirky at the same yeah. time. But, I mean, all of this stuff has been singles. He even makes fun of it in one of his videos. Because they're, like... It's the one where he goes and he, like, films it in the Ukraine or something and gets this tank. And there's a behind-the-scenes on, like, how I got this million-dollar music video and my record paid for it. And it's, like, he's in character the whole time. You have to, you get to realize that eventually. But, like, it's so funny because, like, they're talking to his record execs. Like, what's this guy need a million dollars for? He's like, all he fucking does is release singles. Like, <laughs> you know? But, it's like, they even, like, joke at it. But, like... <laughs> He's fucking made all his money. I mean, he did like an EP, but like an EP is a compilation of singles, really. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's like an album, but yeah. it's like, that's kind of where it's I, I think it's the shifting con- to. I think the concept album is coming mm-hmm. back. I think metal and hip hop have kind of kept it alive. Yeah. You know? Um, um, you know, alternative and like you know, trap music, I mean, it's not so much. I think when I look at like the Oliver Tree like method, like if you're doing, I feel like if you're doing like, because he's kind of in the realm of what I consider like alternative by today's standards. Alternative is such a huge blanket genre that like Mike Snow was like I consider them alternative. Uh, Chet Faker. I, th- I think it's a weird way to say not in. genre limited. Pretty much, but I feel like the big thing moving. Forward for that type of music, which is kind of like what I classify myself in as an artist, because I have no fucking bounds, you know. Some's a little different. So I think the medium for that moving forward seems to be singles with fucking eccentric music videos, because like YouTube, Instagram, that visual like if you have that visual pop like. I mean, like, a Buster Rhymes, right, was mm-hmm. doing, like, the shit he did back in the day. Buster Rhymes videos were always next level, like, visually. Even if the song was not. Yeah, he was on it, like, visually was music videos and stuff. So, like... Oh, man, the, uh, uh, Give Me Some More music yeah. video. The song samples of the riff from Psycho. Yeah. Like, that song's fucking But it's like, dope, if he did dude. it today, like, those would all probably be crazy videos done for singles. Yeah, you know, and like you can get that hype up because you get a cool video that's viral enough, like it's gonna share on Facebook and all that, like because people have that visual feed there. Yeah, but like then it's gonna track on and it's gonna give you success in like your plays on Spotify and stuff like that. Because first time I heard about him was like the Alien Boy music video, and I'm like, what the fuck is this, dude? And then like. I was in it. I was hooked after that because it was like so like visually expressive. And as someone that does video, like I love that. But there's a fuck ton of work that goes into making video. Yeah, yeah. I'll get it. Like film sets and stuff that I've like been on and worked on. I mean, you'll put in a 12-hour day for what'll turn out to be like three minutes of video, like in a TV show. You know, like I've worked on set for Yellowstone, and like I would say, I've been on like four different sets for them. Some days are two sets, like 12 days Saturday, 12 days Sunday. So all said and done, I probably put in maybe like 50-something hours, like being on sets just for a little... And this is just like background work for Yellowstone. But that whole production goes through, and all of that, there's maybe 10 to 15 minutes of footage that's going to end up on the TV show. 
and these companies that come in have to pay for it, have to pay all the crew, they have to pay for all the gear rentals, they have to pay for all the extras. And even as an extra, I was making 150 bucks a day. So you multiply that by 300 extras that you're bringing in for a fucking rodeo scene, like paying that on top of like all the crew, they're probably making at least 200 a day. PAs, which is like the lowest rung, mm -hmm. they're probably making 150 a day. So it's like, you know, think how much money and energy goes into all that. It's kind of hard, but I love it. That's what I want to do. Pasha, like my landlord guy I work with out there, he does time music videos. It's kind of like what his bread and butter's been. So we're trying to get into that more so too. And that's what I want to do with my stuff. I have like some stuff that I haven't released yet because I want to do videos for it, but I don't have the resources to do the videos. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to like release them without that added visual component because I feel like that's what's going to make them pop so when it comes out it'd be like fucking like a viral thing but without one or the other it's just like they don't have that momentum when they launch and yep. if you don't capture that momentum on launch like it's hard to like proactively come back and like hype up your album two months after it's already on Spotify and stuff so it's you know the logarithms and shit like that too you can, it's, a lot, it's a lot to consider. I, I think that's <clears throat> like uh, one thing that like has kind of kept me like sort of like uh, chill with this next record has just been like like hey, you you can't put it out right now anyway. Like yeah. if you do, it's going to be half-assed. Mm -hmm. And if you spent, you know, when you spend years working on like something, you definitely don't want to put it out half-assed. Yeah. You know? Um, because then the idea is wasted, you know. And like I've, I've done that before with songs when I was much, much younger, where like I thought it was like a, a good idea, and it might have been a good idea, but it was poorly executed yeah. at the time. And now I look back on it, I'm like, I can't believe I put that out with my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> been there. <laughs> there <I go>. <laughs> <laughs> now somebody ever looks me up, I'm like, this is it. Fuck this guy. <laughs> I've, I've kind of come to terms with with that and the uh, what, what would you call it popularity complex I think that that comes with uh, you know creating music or just like art by yourself you know like it's um, I, 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 I've not found any greater release uh, in or purpose in life than from that and from like investing time into something and yeah. like fine-tuning it and then like not only do I get that release but like see whenever like like I see people that enjoy something I've created that I enjoy yeah. like like when I enjoy it that's how I feel good like my the venture like album I came out with like it, it was kind of thrown together because it was just I mixed it I mastered it I did all of it there's one or two tracks that are like louder and like it's not perfect but like it's glad I'm glad that it's out there and like I feel good about it because I see on Spotify like my friends and stuff every once in a while I see like one of my songs come up and they're someone's <laughs> listening to this and it's like oh yeah they're jamming to it and like but I can still put it on like when I'm driving my car yeah and I can jam out to it and not in like a narcissistic way like yeah but it's like you know you still enjoy it and I think that is super important I think so, I think so too you make it for other people and you don't enjoy yeah. it well then you, you'll get shamed 
a lot of times by people that are just like, like, oh, you must really be in love with yourself. Yeah. It's like, well, aren't you in love with yourself and yeah. with your art? You post pictures of your kids on Tinder profiles. Yeah, yeah. You, pon you pontificate <laughs> your beliefs on social yeah. media. You know, like, don't don't you like enjoy yourself? Yeah. Like, like I would I. I don't look the music I've made that I don't like. I don't listen to. Yeah. I have, but like, just because I have it in my collection, I have a lot of music in my collection that I I just don't really like listening to anymore. Yeah. Um, but sometimes if the mood strikes me, I've got it. You know what I mean? And plus, whenever it's something that I made, it it shows me where I where I've been. You know, it shows me how far I've progressed. Yeah, that's where I feel with a lot of my stuff now too. I can notice a definite increase, and I'm like, okay. Maybe it's not like wasted time and wasted energy. Exactly. At that point, you're like, maybe this is going in. You know, you, when you see that growth, it's not like all for nothing. I think the hardest part for me as an artist and where I want to be is coming up with like a brand or an identity or like a logo or like, you know, that defining like, oh, this is what it is. Like, I really liked your album, like, The Cult. It was just, like, that gray background and the big, like, hardcore text. It's, like, classy, but it's, like, looks official as fuck. But, like, it rings off your tongue. And, like, that works, you know? And if that's you got I, the, uh, if you zoom in, you look, uh, there's a texture map that I added to it. You know, we, we had Photoshop classes yeah. together and whatnot, and we both realized, like, oh, this dude's good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you can look at somebody and somebody else, and you're just there like, Mister McConaughey's teaching us, and we're like, we got this dog. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're the only two that showed up for class a lot of times. Fucking the one dude in the class, I remember we were filming, and he stopped filming while I was like falling for like a. It was like a like a gag scene. I had to fall, and then he like cut. He's like he's like cool. He's like I uh, I, I didn't get all the fall. I'm like why'd you stop? It's like, uh, well, that we, it, it was the end of the scene, right? It's like, you, yeah, well, you have to film the what we do, and it's yeah. it's like just like that concept alone, like, like washed over him, super like super weird kid. I can't remember his name, but that's like really awkward. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about? It was yeah. Like, I, <laughs> like, it's like, how does this person function in like day to day? Like, how do you? It's, I don't get. I know. I think not. I think I'm at the point because I did the first album under like Greenswell, because like, Greenwell was taken or something. I was like, I'm just gonna move my ass over here, and it's like it's the most lazy fucking idea ever. And I'm like, yeah, that'll work. And I don't know why I bought it because like, I don't think it works. I hate the name that I used for my first album. And I'm I've like, I've never <laughs> been too good with names. Uh, my my proudest one that uh, we did an album for uh, uh, my friend uh, Alec. And I, he's the guy mm -hmm. eating cereal right there, uh, uh, under the name Sodomy Hussein, <laughs> and it was a uh, it was a 100% DIY album. Uh, so we uh, we had a, a studio in our in our home in Jersey. Uh, the after we uh, we lost the fire, like we ran like an art studio and like a recording studio, and in our downtime. We worked on a concept album where we, we were like, let's make an album where it'd be impossible for us to perform it live. <laughs> like, just like the two of us and like our, our drummer would, you know, come over. But I mean, like he, he wasn't like sitting down editing, mixing or anything like that. He was, you know, 
he was contributing to composing the rhythm a lot of times. Yeah. But I mean, out, making the album, we did that all ourselves. So we did uh, approach it from a, a big budget production, but with the uh, DIY ethos, right? And uh, it, I, I'm, I'm still proud of it. It's a it's a rather schizophrenic record. So mm -hmm. like uh, the uh, the genres sometimes will change song to song. Sometimes in the song itself, it'll change genres. Um, it's uh, you know, uh, profane, uh, to say the least. I mean, it's Sodomy Hussein. It's Sodomy Hussein. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, I was not allowed to get a, uh, a Facebook page with Sodomy Hussein. Um, it, uh, it was deemed, uh, it got flagged for the port, uh, 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 <laughs> profanity check or por pornography check. And uh, even I tried like spelling it differently, like Saddam E. Hussein, and no, it caught it as Not well. Working. Not working. But I got that MySpace page, so. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> uh, I thought, it, I think moving forward, so, uh, it was weird. It's like back when I was in high school, I mean, whoever listens to the podcast will know, so I guess it's forever ruined on them, but to the <laughs> they're going to look back on this and it's going to expose my whole thing, but. Uh, so like I used to write MMFG on everything and it stands for Matt motherfucking Greenwell <laughs> right <laughs> so I think what I'm gonna do is like I'm gonna make my artist name MMFG but like my first album is gonna be like it's gonna be Make Me Feel Good is like uh -huh. the name of it and then like my second album's like Masked Man Fights Giant and I was gonna like photoshop <laughs> like a dude like I want a Molotov and then superimpose like this giant boot like stepping down from the sky but it's like make every album like it's MMFG but don't ever like allure to the MMFG just like make it an acronym for right. everything's album and then like maybe like the fourth or fifth album somebody gets it or something and I was like but it might be a subtle enough way to like get by with it MMFG kind of works you could probably make a logo and brand for that without being like too over the top. It rolls off better than Greenswell or whatever, and I'm like, maybe it's what I'll do. Greenswell sounds like you would be a band at a Renaissance festival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to do something that's kind of all-encompassing because like, I have some hip-hop stuff I want to do, but I also want to do some more like singer-songwriter stuff. So, like, I don't know how to like wrap that all up, and that's like <clears throat> the swirling ball of chaos as an mm -hmm. artist that I try and deal with now. The, uh, I'll try to um, when I, when I write, it's it's never like a consistent way how I write. So like sometimes I'll make uh, uh, back in Photoshop. Oh, uh, uh, Bible texture is uh, on the cover. Completely went off in another direction. But uh, sometimes I'll start um, with uh, making like graphic design of fake albums and yeah. like just come up with titles and whatnot. And like sometimes the title will strike me, yeah. and it'll hang on to it. So like there's a uh, there's a song on a uh, on the record I'm working on now called uh, uh, a candle for a caged bird. Um, it comes from a line and it says, uh, "Light a candle for a caged bird, so it only sees the flame, not the cage." Um, but like the. Uh, like that whole song, like I came up with that phrase like probably 15 years ago, and like never knew like like oh what kind of what kind of song is it yeah or anything like I had like this image in my mind 
but like I did I didn't know how to get there and so it just started with just like a piano loop where I was like all right let's treat it like like a hip-hop tune and just see like what develops from having like a piano loop mm -hmm. subtly dominate like the whole song and then I got to a point where I was like now I can go in and make minor changes where the loop will drop out yeah. and another key will come in but only in these like very specific manners but um uh, other uh, songs I'm working on there's a, a song uh, called waterfall that I have where I had um I was on LSD and I uh, I, I, I took too much. I took I took <laughs> I took two hits. Um, two hits uh, standard is usually around 200 to 220 micrograms, right? That will you will get the effects. You'll you'll have a, a good time. Maybe intense, but if you know what you're in for, then you're you're good to go. Master right? Mirror, I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my uh, my buddy asked me. I was uh, they were going to go out to the bar. And I was just gonna tag along, you know. I wasn't, I wasn't there to drink or anything. But when we were gonna taxi back, and I was gonna crash at, at uh, my other friend's house. But my buddy asked me, "Did uh, did you take a whole or a half?" And I was like, "I, I took, took two. two. <laughs> He's like, "Oh." He's like, "I don't know if I would have done that, but you're in for a treat." I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "Those are 250 micrograms a piece." So. I had uh, half of a milligram of LSD or five hits and now I'm about to be like out in public and so we're at a uh, uh, at a bar in a in Remerton and like I, I can't even stand to be inside man like like I like I feel yeah, like it's I'm, so nasty in there like I, I just feel like I'm gonna get um crushed by the walls like you know that yeah. like feeling the world caving in i'm just like yo I'm, i want to be outside so i'm like i'm out on like one of the porch and you know my my buddy is you know he's he's quiet so he's not really helping me too much so <laughs> but at the same time i'm kind of glad that he's not like talking my ear off because like my visuals are out of this world beautiful like like fantastic like and close my eyes and the uh the geometry that I see, like this divine, like, you know, geometry is just like colors are swirling, just fantastic. And he asked me how I'm doing. And I tell him, I'm like, I'm like, no matter what happens, dude, I am, I, I am okay. Yeah. I'm fine. I can handle my yeah, shit. I'm good to go. I am not okay right now. <laughs> <laughs> but then there when you're just like, is this going to end? <laughs> Am I stuck like this? <laughs> but um, so, with, as, the, as the night traverses, uh, my my one buddy that I'm staying with, he's you know he's he's hammered. He's like he's like he's like, well, you about at it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, was, I was like, yeah, man. Like <laughs> as soon as you are, I'm good to go. So we get our taxi and like get back to his house, and I've got these these tones, these chords going through my mind and it's a drone that's going with the pulse of the geometry that's going through my closed eye visuals and i can hear it and i can't fucking sleep i can't sleep man like it, it it's like and anybody that's ever tripped before knows that like the music that you hear in your mind yeah. like i wish i could translate it like it's it's beautiful so i can't like, ever focus on recording like while i'm <laughs> 
Well, it, it it got to a point to where like I had I had calmed down enough to where like like okay, there's hardly anybody on the road right now. I'm gonna get in my car and I'm gonna quietly go home because I need to go home like and like figure out like the, these chords. I need to go make like, music, damn it! And <laughs> like I'm sitting there and I'm like at the computer on like the little you know keyboard and like trying to figure out like like fuck right, I can't figure it out. <laughs> and I sat like. Three hours, and now I'm coming like down like hard, and like my body's like, "Hey, bro, we need Go to sleep. sleep. <laughs> you have work tomorrow. Save it. Do it later." <laughs> but uh, out of just sheer frustration, I take this uh, this uh, guitar that I knew was in a different tuning. It was like a like a, a step, half a step down or something. So that's why I wasn't fucking with it because I was like, I was like, no, like I know these like chords. There's like, so many good albums that are like recorded in like B flat or some shit. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> you try and play it on your normal guitar standard, yeah. and it's like all the garbage. The, the last, the last record that I did, uh, most of it was half a step down, just yeah. to give it a, a tonal difference. Yeah. But um, so I pick it up and I strum the first like chord, just like out of frustration, and it's it. It's it, and then so now my fingers are like they have, they found the muscle memory that's attached to that sound, so I can slide from that point and like hold that position to where it's like okay, I bet that next one's a minor variation of it, and like and I figure it out, and like so I had to build this song that I have, and it's like this epic song that I have, but it it came from like that night, and like like taking too much. But like yeah. being able to pull something out of it, and it was it was just three well, chords. Uh, That's not see, even the whole song, but it's what yeah. you saw the video I did for the imaginary lines song. It's all like the mirrored like drone shots, and it looks like yeah, like an Inception and shit, and it's all like twisted and like trippy. I was tripping on acid, and I was like, man, I look cool. And then I start messing around with Premiere, and I like fucking I'm mirroring all my drone footage, and I'm like, duh. <laughs> and then I ended up like the next because I only did like I was tripping so I could only do it for like 10 minutes you know mm-hmm. so I get like a 30 second little clip of how this looks and then I'm like the next day I fucking hit it from a fresh perspective and it was like so I think it's good to do I definitely try and do it like every six months or so six months to a year I'm overdue for one now maybe I'll do it when I get back to Salt Lake because I got time off work from my injury mm-hmm. I'll just fucking lock myself in my room yeah I don't I don't recommend uh, psychedelics and responsibility by any means yeah. at all you know like it's, it's that's something you should do for like vacation or your or your Sabbath you know yeah and even if it's on your Sabbath I don't know if I'd be using LSD <laughs> to celebrate the Sabbath every week <laughs> Um, uh, I know because I, 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 I did that like in my later 20s yeah. and like it's too much <laughs> yeah. Yeah. every once in a while you just gotta dip your toe in and I want to do DMT I haven't done that and I have a couple friends out in Salt Lake that have it and can they told me I need to do it I've done it a couple times it's intense yeah. it's weird it's short lived that's what I've heard yeah um, uh, ayahuasca I have not done um, I could have done it this past weekend but I had to come back to town for a funeral so I didn't yeah. get to but I had a friend, they were doing the Jaguar cult. We are doing it with all our artist friends. So we were going to do one night. Or the first night we all come, we do our ayahuasca trip. The second day we have a workshop for us that's kind of like how we overcome the obstacles and barriers and like make it and be successful as artists. And then the third day was an event. But it was not, everyone was like running on fumes. I'm like, 
I mean, I wish I could have been, but like I was watching them all be like super tired, and I'm like, mm, you know what? Good thing I couldn't make it. Because <laughs> I would have died. <laughs> I would have been like, exhausted. It it was um. Yeah, like uh, hangover with psychedelics. Like it's not really one. It's like you're you're just tired the next day. But like every time I've ever uh, had a uh, psychedelic mushroom experience, the next day. I feel so grateful to be alive, and I'm like so happy. Yeah. And like, like, like I you you don't get that from anything else yeah. I found except from like sometimes the nightmares that mushrooms can give you. Like the worst trips I've ever had have been on mushrooms, hands down. Like I've left my fucking body before on mushrooms, and then it was profound. Ew. And then when I tried to do it again, I did it again, man. And it time, was a nightmare. The last time I think I had mushrooms. <laughs> it wasn't the last time, but one of the last, like the time before the last time, probably. So I wanted to really try. So I got like five grams, dude. And I was like, you know, I want to fucking get It's a healthy food. dose. I really want to that's, get into that's it. That's the, uh, Terry Sakana said the heroic dose. Yeah. Uh, dried five grams. But have you ever tried to eat five grams of mushrooms? Uh, I, I have and succeeded. That's a lot of mushrooms. It is. Well, they make me gag every time. I throw dude. up. Well, so here's what I did. I'm, I'm going to make them into chocolate. So I got a bag of fucking Hershey's morsels, like the little ones you melt down. <laughs> And like, dude, I put all of it in because it's the only way I could get it like somewhat consistent where it still wasn't just mushrooms when it right. was all melted down. So not only did I eat five grams of mushrooms, but I also ate a whole fucking bag of <laughs> Hershey's chocolate that they were melted into. So I'm like literally like all my friends are on the couch, like comfortable and cuddly and like we're listening to music. And I am, you know, that fucking position you get in when you're really sick where like, you're kind of like your head's to the side and you're on your stomach so you don't like suffocate on your vomit. Right. Just like I was like my stomach hurt so bad. All I could do was lay on the floor in that position. And then I would like run outside like every 15 minutes and try and dry heave and vomit it up. But like nothing would come out. And like my friends are just like, I mean, but the music was dope. Like the music was cool. Like when I was in there laying down, like my brain was like in a good spot. My body, not so much. But then I'm like dry heaving like... I can't do it. And there's like, dude, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm good, guys. I'm having a good time. I'm about to come back inside and listen to some more music. In a few minutes. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm, <laughs> there, I'm fucked up, like dying from chocolate poisoning. <laughs> but I'm just like, no, it feels pretty good. Put that Emancipator song back on. <laughs> I learned that if you. Uh, if, really... if if you do the chocolate uh, chocolate properly, and uh, you know you you know cook it with butter and whatnot, and then you can uh, you can uh, uh, filter out some of the the bigger chunks of like the mushrooms, or you can like grind it down, food processor or whatever. But um, I just powderized it. And... <laughs> that'll that'll do it. But if you uh, if you you know, get a good consistent mixture going on, what what happens is the um, your your stomach doesn't have to break down this thick fibrous dried grassy like yeah. fungus now it just has to dissolve these little bits of uh, chocolate and and butter and uh, uh, mushroom dust so like a mushroom chocolate like like will hit in like thirty minutes or less yeah it's like speedy delivery you know what I mean versus if you like you just eat them dry like about an hour or so I put know? it in like a 
11 by 7 like baking dish to dry and I basically just chomped through this fucking brick of fucking mushroom filled chocolate chomp dude and it was just like <laughs> breaking off the uh, <laughs> I like force it down I was like the worst experience ever dude and it was in like one can't of, imagine it, like it was that like one of those chocolate. grimy ass fucking downtown Valdosta houses you know like by the college like with fucking rats in them and shit like ours wasn't as bad we didn't have rats but it was still kind of like an old dingy fucking college house you know and yeah. like ugh. years of people just saying ah fuck it I'll just sometimes, lose the deposit and it some, just... <laughs> sometimes I wonder how I'm like still alive it's like oh dude shit was crazy well like I've like I you know I uh I experiment with drugs a fair amount in my 20s but you know get older and it's like hey some of these things are detrimental and some of these things they do uh, cause damage to the community i still don't think people should be locked up for possessing it but can't do cocaine anymore <laughs> it used to be like fun man it'd be like fuck yeah we're ripping lines now dude i will rip a line and i'm like sitting down in the corner like am i about to die like, is my heart to have been fucked <laughs> like oh shit so like now i'm just like nah nah i'm the drugs i'll take some weed Makes some acid every once in a while, but yeah. After like uh, you know, like six, seven years of like you know amphetamines and like getting off of that, like like I don't miss that shit at all, yeah. dude. Um, like that was and like uh, <laughs> same thing will happen. Like like I I I'm not a, a pro cocaine guy or anything. I I still think it should be legal. I mean, when my grandmother was a little girl, like. If you had a toothache, you could go see like a uh, you know a pharmacist for like yeah. a better term, and you could get uh, cocaine toothache drops. It's a local <laughs> anesthetic, you know. Um, I I think more damage is done by it uh, being illegal and incentivizing criminals to take control. Yeah. yeah. Well, like look at the vape cart thing with the fucking weed. It's like most of the places that are having problems with people getting sick from illegal. THC cartridges mm -hmm. are states where it's not legal. Yeah. Like, you don't go to Colorado and buy fucking dope-ass, like, fake carts. <laughs> you know? Because you can go to any fucking store all over the state and get them from, like, a regulated system that has, like, checks and balances to make sure they're not pumping you full of fucking vitamin E or insecticides and yeah. shit. So, it's like... <laughs> I, um... Uh, I don't like it at all, our drug laws. Um, uh, I, I think it should be uh, illegal to be um, if you if you sell to minors, you know, mm -hmm. and not not folks that you know get, get coal 21. out of the ground by mining. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> person, per, persons under the legal age. I don't I don't want to seem insensitive <laughs> to the mining community. Now I think I should apologize for defending the mining community because that would be supporting fossil fuel industry. Hey, you can't win. You can't uh, win. Can't be woke enough. I know, dude. <laughs> Damn the luck. <laughs> we should run our fuel industry on cow farts. Oh God. Trap yeah. the methane and use it. <laughs> what, what were we just talking about before cow farts? Fuck. Some. Uh, Oh, oh uh, the drug laws yeah. and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, like if if you sell to like like kids, like yeah, that should be a crime. Like uh, uh no, you should be punished for that. Well, yeah, I'm, uh, I've swore, like recently they've raised the tobacco age to 21. Yeah, I think it's nationwide, right? Yeah, 
I'm cool with that. I'm, yeah. I mean, but I'm already 21, so I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I, you can raise the driving age 21 for all I give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Make them just wait. I mean... But imagine if they gave them all fucking driver's license and they could fucking buy alcohol and do everything at the same time. Where it's like, 21. Yeah. Good luck. Well, it's interesting. They'll, they'll uh, you know, you're old enough to do certain things, but not other things, right? Yeah. So, like, it's always seems to be kind of situational with them because sometimes <clears throat> you're uh, old enough to uh, just be put away in jail for the rest of your yeah. life, you know? Um, Whenever it's convenient. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the mob. Hey, we need people to go fight in the war. You're 18, worse than me. Yeah. <laughs> Though it was interesting seeing like, like so many people buying into like media panic like in 2020. You know, like World War Three. You know, uh, coronavirus. And the more that comes out about the coronavirus, it's like, hey man, a lot more people seem to be dying of the flu right yeah. now. Shouldn't we be a little more concerned with that? Then like, I mean, I'm just as guilty for like thinking like, like, oh shit, that's some serious stuff, but. As more and more it's looking into, it's like, hey man, this kind of just looks like more fear propaganda that they seem to uh, always something. Yeah, they seem to have a cycle of it as well, like uh, around election cycles where yeah. it's a new fear. It's like there's a thing a meme I posted earlier. It's some movie there on the bus. He's like, hey, it's like the U.S. government is this case. Like, hey, I need you to cause a distraction. And this other kid turns around. And he's like. It's He's got media on his forehead. And he's like, we're all going to die. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. It's spot on. It's, it's true, though, man. And, like, I'll, um, there, there are definitely certain people on the, uh, that are friends of mine that are on the, uh, the progressive left, that they are good people, and their ideas, as far as their political beliefs, they are aimed in, in a good direction. They mean well. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I just tend to disagree w with them on some things, and most of them are. If I were able to sit down with them face to face and not through a screen and you know be a keyboard warrior, yeah. we could communicate a lot uh, uh, more efficiently. And like you know, you're, you're face-to-face communication is horrible. Yeah. Trust well, the communication major. Well, because tone has to be inferred for one thing. You're not looking at somebody in the eye. You know, um, you're not. Um, you're not having the the sound of their voice itself. That the, the human voice does something to us yeah. in, in our brain, you know. Um, so I, I try to make sure that I am. Um, I never want to come off as a aggressive or antagonistic uh, uh, rhetorically, because like uh, there's a like there's a friend of mine that uh, she had a she had posted something talking about a um, moral dilemma for. Uh, people on the left currently with Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and the race you know obviously uh, a lot of people on the left kind of have a, a tempers flaring sort of anyways when it comes to politics so yeah. it's a extremely uh, a volatile post that she has going on and somebody had posted on there something about uh, Joe Biden uh, being a pederast or exhibiting qualities that like, you know. I went through the same thing on someone else's post, completely unrelated, which is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and me personally, um, I, I believe that he is a uh, predator. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's, there, there's, a, there's a difference between uh, somebody doing something predatory and somebody having a consistency of predatory behaviors you know what I mean um, so and that's just my personal belief 
like whoever people want to vote for hey, like it's not election day so with me it's like i haven't heard any of the debates i haven't heard anybody debate uh, the sitting president trump yet i yeah. think they're supposed to have three of those so before any of that comes in i mean with me no i i want to i want to promote the idea of hey let's let's listen to the dialogue let's let's hear what people have to say you know and let's try to be calm about it and let's also yeah. exchange ideas other than th this empty rhetoric of orange man bad, orange man good. It and doesn't do anything. Somebody called Joe Biden a pedophile in that post, and the dude that was supporting Joe Biden, he was like, basically his response to that person saying that he was a pedophile was, fuck you. And then they tried to say something else, and they're like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And, like, I didn't even know this person, but I had to chime in. I'm like, dude, you're so well-informed. Yeah. Like, how are you going to change anyone's mind with that? That dude's definitely not a pedophile. I fuck think, me. I think <laughs> it was, I think it was uh, Socrates uh, who said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, 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 he who uh, uh, insults has already lost the argument, like, more or less. Yeah. So, like... Like you're 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 not being tolerant of people's point of views and that you're labeling it as like well that's again hate speech or yeah. like that's a bigoted idea. It's like bro, like you're like, assuming you what the idea. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, because they're assuming what the idea is. So again, I think it, it kind of ties in with media bias, right? Like people have been fed a program. Same way if folks watch Fox News and nothing else, they're being fed a program, right? Mm -hmm. But people don't want to think it's happening with the left's media companies because there's so many of them but it totally is it totally is and it's orange man bad versus orange man good mm -hmm. it's partisanship it's this idea of uh, freezing something and polarizing people over it that uh, you know it's part of uh, radicalism uh, and then when you when you do this you can say that everybody that uh, agrees with me is morally just in our ideology everyone outside who disagrees so us versus them yeah 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 and uh going back to oh shit what was the guys i pull out my uh post-it notes here uh the guy H. earlier hl hunt hl hunt hl hunt in the uh, 20th century he was a democrat from oklahoma and he uh, donated money to the uh nation of islam to the ku klux klan to the black panthers and to the American uh, Nazi party. He donated money, ridiculous amounts of money to all of these conflicting parties in order to promote divisiveness uh, amongst the country. It's a, it's, a, it's a tactic that people use. Um, and on this, on this uh, post of Joe Biden where somebody was like, like, I'm not voting for him, and then it turned into, well, I mean, fuck if he's my only option because he's, he's a never Trumper, right? Yeah. So. And like I, I, I get people that are, but I, I still like to have dialogue with any of those people. You know what I mean? Because there's there's common ground there. You know, we, we shouldn't be partisan about this kind of stuff. We should be objective about it. But I had shared a Paul Joseph Watson a video of Creepy Uncle Joe. It's a it's a very uh, uh, infamous uh, video of Joe Biden. It's about 11 minutes long, and it shows not only. Uh, uh, accusations that we all know about that we see like the famous meme photos and whatnot but it shows uh, a particular a, uh, a uh, I don't know what you call it it's a it's a press conference for something right and how he acts with multiple children yeah multiple children and then multiple teenagers and like so like it's he's exhibiting predatory behaviors right so I posted that and I was like I was like hey take this you know with a grain of salt 
but here. And she had uh, responded back that like, like, oh, she's like, I've you know seen a bunch of stuff about it. She's like, I, I don't like it. It's like part of like what she's talking about with this dilemma. She gives a, a very thoughtful retort, but to the point where like it was so soon that I know she did not watch the video, right? Yeah. So I kindly reply back that like like you know it's it's like yeah it's like it mentions a, a lot of things in here <laughs> and some of the scandals as well tied to them. It's eleven minutes. It's definitely worth your time and consideration to to everyone for that matter. Um, but I'm I'm told her that like I'm not trying to propagate you. I, I promise. She was like she's like oh I know she's like you've always been very respectful with your beliefs and like you know sharing ideas yeah. like on her posts because like I, I like her she's a fantastic artist she's a, a good person and she's she's intelligent it's just i i disagree with her politically you know um but then yes yeah, so, like these other like people start chiming in of just like like getting mad at her like 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 kelly i cannot believe that you would defend like this like, yeah. trash like for being posted to like blah 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 blah, blah. And i was like like Hey, dude! Like, like if anything, you should be directing it at me, not like yeah. this friend of mine. You know what I mean? And she again, like, replied, like, like n not in a uh, confrontational manner. She, uh, doesn't use profanity or anything like that. Like, that's how I try to operate as well. And like, like that's how we all should operate. You know? Um, and just try to approach it as just like, all right, like let's. You have to infer all the tone I'm talking about. So let's put up front that like I'm, I'm being polite here you know I'll usually say like I'm playing devil's advocate or I'm yeah. just being polite but like offering that like there's there's a counter argument to whatever meme or like uh, uh, post that uh, you know you're uh, uh, have uh, on social media and uh, I think uh, I think a lot of folks on the left are kind of triggered by that and especially right now with Joe Biden Bernie Sanders because what's happened is this idea of polarization yeah. is now turning in on itself because the the right is like not even concerned at all all they're yeah, doing they're is sure. all that no all they know they got it like yeah at this point i mean that's where it's at like well because like i think as we were talking earlier as far as the cult of personality like uh joe biden aside from all that he exhibits signs of dementia yeah. like my, my grandma's got dementia and alzheimer's like so i, I it's even difficult for me to even watch yeah. like some of the stuff you can see it yeah. yeah like so we were talking about that earlier but um uh with uh the cult of personality I mean, at least with, bernie sanders like is competent he, yeah i mean well he's been he's, he's not consistent with everything but he's 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 there are a few things like that he his core principles like he's he stood by you know um you can respect that if nothing else because even trump hasn't done that you no. can look back I watched an interview with him on David Letterman in 1987, and he's talking about the country's fucked up because we're not investing in social programs and fucking yeah. low-income neighborhoods and fucking <laughs> the housing market and shit. Like, all the things that his party now is against. It's just like, well, what they're, what they're against is because within, uh, within Bernie Sanders' camp, you've got people that they, they want democracy and they want their social programs to help people. Yeah. That's not the same as socialism. Yeah. Socialism is where you give the government the means of production and, and the the narrative's been so skewed. Well, by either side. Well, the well the thing is is with far left ideologues like uh, democratic socialism, it's 
uh, like uh, uh, Lennon even talked about this. It's it's just it's just a word. It's a tool. It's a tool in order for uh, the totalitarian tiptoe of socialism, and then you have communism. So once you have communism, then you have big government control. Um, so like the the problem with Sanders is that while yeah I agree with a lot that Bernie Sanders talks about as far as like social programs like what FDR did as far as social programs yeah but there's also like uh, you know we shouldn't uh, hold FDR up as a saint I mean he was also putting Asians in uh, internment camps you yeah. know and so it's the 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 left people that are that are truly on the left they there seems to be a problem of not recognizing like the, the their own devils you know yeah. what i mean and folks on the right they'll uh <laughs> it, it's really easy to point out when somebody's like well that guy's an asshole you yeah. know like a religious zealot or someone who is a uh yeah you know a um what would you call it no, no, um, supremacist ideological or ethnic supremacist you know they tend to be on the right and then the left they tend to be like the the ideological supremacy is still there yeah exactly. but it, they they have it under the guise of well it's it's the compassionate thing and we we defend those that you know that are marginalized and nobody else will defend it's like but well, a little marginalization fucking i mean it's like that's fucking life. That's how it happens. Like, I mean, well, unfortunately, but like, you can't eliminate that no matter what. And that's what people, utopia doesn't exist. Things are going to be shitty. And it's, I think people just need to get the fuck over it and realize that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. You know, um, aspire for greatness, but like, understand like the fucking realities of human beings and human society. There yeah. are constraints that we are like, we're never going to escape. We're still rats. We're still going to fight and tear ourselves apart. And like, yeah, we don't want to, you know, and there's an overwhelming amount of good. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, how like, you know, there's evil, there's bad, there's always going to be bad things, but there's always going to be like prevalent good. Like on the, on the overarching hold, there's more good than bad in the world. But you always, the bad actions always scream out over the constant good that exists in the world. The good people lifting people up and things like that. And we're polarized and stuff, uh, and we're interconnected, but like you look at a lot of the things that happened back with the First World Wars and even the wars throughout like history, a lot of that stuff has come down to communication and like laps and messages. And like it may take fucking two days to get a message from point A to point B. But now we're so instantly connected, which is like, I think our saving grace and what's gonna keep the finger off like a World War Three trigger mm-hmm. is cause like before everything can escalate to a certain point, like people <coughs> across the globe are aware of what's going on and they can be like, oh no, 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 this is not gonna yeah, work. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't have a monopoly of information yeah. like you yeah. used to have. So uh, back to the, the uh, you know, the, the socialism point with Sanders, he has he has folks in his in his group that they're all about authoritarian regimes. So like uh, Linda Sarsour, you know, like she's a pro Sharia law and she's like defended it like on numerous occasions. Um, we don't want that. And this yeah. idea of like, well, um, Muslims have been marginalized in this country. Um, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. Individuals have been marginalized in this country. The, uh, the Islamic religion 
is not marginalized at all. Like they have a specific part of the world where the religious right is Muslim, and yeah. what they do in their countries is is not good. So, her being in support of that, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a fan of. Um, there there's also like Bernie's age as well. He just had a heart attack. You yeah. Know? So I think they might possibly kill Bernie Sanders in order to stop his movement. If they don't, and say he does get elected, he's not going to live a full term as president, which means another DNC puppet will come in and take the place. So, and both of their candidates are like that. Meanwhile, on the uh, Trump side, my, uh, some of my biggest uh, critiques with him has nothing to do with his rhetoric or his cult of personality. I don't like him doing business with Saudi Arabia. I think they're like, we're, yeah, this idea of like, yeah. like oh, yeah, it's all, the economy's good, the economy's good. We don't necessarily need that kind we of money. We turned a blind eye to the fucked up shit they do just because, like, oil money and stuff for forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're fucking, man, they're just as fucked up. They're spitting out just as many terrorists as Iran, but we're made to lead the Iran's the problem. But if you looked at Iran, like, in the fucking 70s before we went and fucked up the whole Middle East, mm -hmm. Iran was like fucking round board, like, most fucking first world countries. Yeah, like it was yeah. What happened? Day. Yeah, what happened is we went in there and tried to have a coup, and then the religious right came in and fuck had a coup of their own, yeah. and they're like, "Nah, fuck that. We got the country, and now boom, everybody yeah. goes to church. Everybody worships the same. Fuck. Yeah, like like government overreach is yeah bad idea and imperialism again like it's a bad idea Here, here's an interesting argument i've come across uh for um uh, trump and in particular uh the one of if not the most controversial thing the wall right so and i've, I've heard many arguments for like why we should and should not have a wall and my personal belief is if that community that lives there wants a border wall that's their prerogative Period. They live there. If they if they want it and it's a problem there, then why can't they have it? Why can't they have it? So, I think their local governments for those townships and areas should be able to put in for like if they want grants or something or like that should be a thing. But I don't think it yeah. should be like a mandatory boop throwing it everywhere. But like yeah. in the sections where they want it, fine. Yeah, and, and that's the other that's how it's being built. Increase policing, you know. Yeah. And, because like no doubt like you don't just want people just on regular coming into your country like, yeah like, we have a human you know? trafficking problem yeah. there's nobody heard about Jeffrey Epstein yeah. and like all that shit that's going on and MS-13 like so these are things while the president may be an asshole like there's things that he has said if you look past the hyperbolic rhetoric look past that, your feelings and look at some yeah yeah you got you have viewed objectively right so like like Trump is a symbol for so many people's hatred where they can't look past the person and start looking at like the issues. The, yeah, and the bigger idea. So the argument with the wall that I found to be the big head scratcher for a lot of people, as far as like me saying that like, I think there's a good thing with it, is that it demonstrates that imperialism, America, American imperialism, as far as conquering other lands is done. We are not putting the message forward of we're going to spread like and conquer even further because that's what we did for yeah. most like since manifest destiny and it's why like now we're stacking up don't fuck with us yeah yeah so like that's all nest, all this right? stuff and also like a, it demonstrates to Mexico as well that like hey you're your own sovereign country too like 
like we're you know we're we're not uh, yeah. going to take you over or anything like that. So if 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 you if you agree with the notion that imperialism and colonialism, like in the modern scope of it in the world, especially from America, is bad, which like I would agree with that, then the wall sets a it's a symbol for that. It sets yeah. a standard that says no, we're done with this this ideology of we need to go out and conquer. That's globalism. When, again, going back to talk about the British Navy earlier, whenever one country or one group or corporation or whatever, if one entity controls the whole planet, that's a bad thing. If nobody's ever watched cartoons or read comic books before, some the villain wants to take over the world. Yeah. That's a bad fucking thing. So, and I, I found that that argument, uh, when it comes to like the, the wall and the president, like can really pump the brakes for a lot of people that because they normally they get they get triggered right yeah. whenever you uh, defend the uh, the president anyway and because again like you got if you're going to be objective you have to be objective you yeah. know what I mean and yeah, I look at the good and the bad can't just be bad all the time right right sometimes I watch him and I'm like shit he's right <laughs> fucking asshole's right well, you know? <laughs> as uh, as Joe Rogan talked about he's a, he's he's a comic. He's yeah. the first stand-up comic to become president. Like, that's fucking saying something. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think it's a good idea, the president has a Twitter account. You don't have to go through... the line of defense. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to go through the news, which clearly anybody that... If you watch the president speak, like, the whole speech... Like, he'll speak for normally no less than an hour. He goes. Yeah. He's in it when he's up there. He yeah. loves it. And then you'll see news will play like a 30 second clip or sometimes even less like a five second clip just to get you outraged yeah. so it's it's back to this fear propaganda and uh, operation mockingbird where they just want people to um be reactionary and not to think about certain things so i uh, i think as far as the election goes hey we'll see what we'll see what happens you know what i mean but as far as for folks on the vote. left, I won't vote for Joe Biden. I'll um, say that uh, I won't vote for Biden. I don't think he's uh, confident enough. And uh, Bernie Bernie Sanders, I don't know about because if he's running on the DNC ticket, I'm not voting for a DNC candidate. I'm just yeah. not. I'm not. I think I think the party is. I was talking with if, my buddy if, Ted. If I think it's the him, problem. If they screw him out of it this time. He better go independent. I says, hey, he has to. He has to know? set the standard. He's. It, it's not about. Um, Totally it's not about the, his role in the story, if that's what he's concerned with, rather than the story itself. Like, he can be the person that sets the standard that says, like, hey, fuck a two-party system. Look at this. You can run independent, yeah. and you can do some damage. He should have done that in 2016, I if he argue. he ran, pull the whole... It'd be a kind of cluster, then. It'd be a little... It'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it would be necessary for American politics in the long run. It would be better for us in the yeah. long run. Uh, and it would do a lot for populism. That's, that's what it's all about, man. It's about yeah. like what, whatever's going to benefit us, the citizens, the most, and what we want. And what we want is just we want things to get better. Yeah. Well, shit, man. we got about three hours yeah, on know. this it's bad like boy. We fucking cranked it on this one. <laughs> Talked about all kinds of shit. Hell it's yeah. a roller coaster ride. That's life. 
This has been a good one, man. Yeah. Talk, talking about uh, a myriad of things from no, fucking be being adult, being stupid, reckless, yeah. uh, young adults, politics. That's a good one. For yeah, sure. yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, no problem. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Later, everybody.